brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And uh, let's see, who else we got here? We have War Eagle. Big Willie, how you doing? How's Willie's beard as well? Give us an update on both, if you don't mind. Lovely Jenny, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. John Doe, thanks for coming on in. The Super YJ is back. The gorgeous and lovely Kara McIver is here. We'll give you one of those. Sir Brian Bowden, the man with 4,332 podcasts running all at once. Donnie D, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Tim, thank you so much for that super chat. Really do appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. And uh, love your support of this show over the years, my friend. Uh, Space Cow, good to see you. And we're, we're running out of time here. Running out of time. The gorgeous Laura Elizabeth. Project Blue Book. Good to see you guys. Smoky Mountain Wanderer. Thanks for coming on in. We got 10 seconds. Who else could we squeeze in here? I don't know. We're running. There's gorgeous Vegas Amy. Oh, there she is, everyone. Give us a wave. Paula W., good to see you. Let's rock. Get your horns up. mountains of central british columbia to you listening around the world this my friends is spaced out radio i am your host dave scott sitting in the captain's chair of sor headquarters we welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on Talkstream live revolution radio and kpnl all of our archives are free by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Tonight, we got a great guest for you. I know I say that every night, but you know what? When it comes to the cryptid world, there are very few who knew more than this guy. Eric Altman is with us. He's a longtime researcher and investigator out of the state of Pennsylvania. Eric learned his many talents investigating from legends such as Stan Gordon and Butch Witkowski. He's a monster hunter, and he's damn proud of it. And he also likes to delve deeply into the paranormal. We're going to get into his great ghost stories from his haunted house as well. You know, it's been a while since we had him on, but I am so glad that you are here tonight, Eric. Thank you so much for your return on Spaced Out Radio. How you been doing, my friend? Oh, let me get you off mute here because I went and clicked that mute button. There you go. How you doing? <laughs> I'm well, Dave. Good to see you. How you been? Oh, man. You know what? I'm, I'm pretty pumped up tonight, and I'll tell you why. Tonight, hockey season started for my son. 
and watching him get back on the ice for the first time this fall and and shake off the rust and by the end of practice he's got a really good coach this year by the end of practice he was so dogged tired that you know he can barely skate anymore because he's in brand new skates and those those never feel good on the feet so yes Canadiana has started for the run to winter hockey season is here I'm happy nice very happy Very cool. And it just, the fall just kicked off, uh, what, yesterday was it? Or today? Yesterday. Or is it yeah, today? So, I don't even know. Yesterday, I believe. Yeah, I don't even know either. I've been <laughs> so busy. But uh, yeah, it falls here. There's a cool, crisp chill in the air. The monsters are moving. And uh, we're going to have a great discussion tonight. Absolutely. Do you like using the term that you're a monster hunter? I know you don't call yourself that. But to me, I, I think it's an exciting term. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm not real partial to it myself. I'm cryptids. It seems to be the more the logical term because you know cryptids are undiscovered animals, and that's what I think we're looking for. But it, monster hunter sounds cool to me, man. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. You know, you've been doing this for a long time. How did how did you get involved with this? Oh, I've been doing this since uh, I've been a little kid. Um, I started out educating myself on the subject by reading books and uh, watching documentary films and growing up studying the work of uh, my mentor, Stan Gordon, uh, Dr. Paul Johnson, um, my good buddy, Butch, um, that we, we know, um, and just reading as much as I could on the subjects, learning before I got my feet into the water, educating myself, and then uh, hit, hit the middle middle 20s and then jumped into it and started researching and um, boots on the ground, talking to eyewitnesses, um, visiting locations, looking for evidence. Uh, I've been doing that now for almost 25 years. Do you still have fun doing it? Um, it has its peaks and valleys. Um, I enjoy getting out there and talking to eyewitnesses, but if, if I could leave the drama behind and, and not deal with all the unnecessary BS that goes on with it, then yeah, I would love it. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, like, like anything we do, you, you have to deal with it. And, uh, like I said, peaks and valleys, man. It's uh, sometimes I really love what I'm doing. I'm out there enjoying the woods and, and I'm enjoying chasing down mysteries. And other times I need a little break. So I think we all go through that once in a while. You know, it's funny you mention that because uh, John Hudson and I, in the third hour of the show last night, we were talking about right now, I've never, ever, and I haven't been doing this a long time, but we've only been doing this for about six and a half, almost seven years now, coming up in November. But I have never seen so much hate and anger in this field as I have the last seven, eight months. You could blame COVID for us being locked in the house. You could blame the fact that we are spending more time on social media. What do you think it is that's causing all of this this anger that's going around right now? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, The COVID probably plays a big part of it because we're not able to interact with each other like we used to. And we have to rely on social media and zoom and uh, chat forms such as this radio podcast. We have to listen to, which, which are great. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy them and they're great sources of information, but I think we're missing that um, interaction with one another face to face, person to person. Um, I also think there's frustration that happens a lot in the field where researchers such as myself who've been at this a long time, don't have answers that they're looking for and the mystery continues to elude us. And I think after a while people start to get frustrated and uh, maybe a little anger, angry or bitter 
that they're not finding the answers right away. And some some researchers don't realize that it does take a long time and a lot of hard work and effort to be put into it before you get the answers you're looking for. So I think to answer your question, I think there's a lot of factors that are really playing into why people are so angry and so hostile anymore these days. Yeah, but you know what? They could be more angry and hostile, my friend, but we're nowhere closer to the answers as we were 10, 15, 20 years ago before the internet, 50 years ago, if you think of the Patterson-Gimlin film. I mean, we're nowhere closer to it. And yet we have all of this brand new technology. A lot of people are using drones now for everything and nothing, nothing. You know, so to me, this whole anger bit that we see happening in the field right now really doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't do the field any justice. It doesn't do the subject matter any justice. It doesn't do researchers as ourselves justice. I mean, I try to leave that behind, leave it at the door and just do my own thing and and get out there and research and do the best that I can. When I come across people that are angry and bitter and um, frustrated, you know, I try to remain as positive as I can and be a positive influence, putting out that to, to them, saying, hey, look, you know, you want to be angry. You can be angry all you want, but you're not going to change my thoughts and my feelings on the subject matter. I'm going to keep doing what I do and being who I am. Well, that's a good attitude to have. And how has that worked for you, considering? I mean, have you have, have people come at you for kind of having that attitude? I've had people come at me over the years for different things and different reasons. And uh, I, I've gotten to the point where you just let it roll off your shoulders and uh, just keep moving forward. And uh, you don't acknowledge those people. You let them be bitter and angry and, and self-destruct. And you keep doing what you do and doing it to the best of your ability and trying to be a positive role model for other people. Well, let's get back to some positive here because you are a monster hunter. You are someone who has dedicated your spare time, your free time to try and search for these mysteries. Tell our audience what you love to go search for. Well, um, primarily uh, my favorite creature or cryptid is Bigfoot. I've been fascinated with that since I've been about 10 years old. And I think of all the cryptids that are out there, that has the best chance of being solved simply because there's a lot more physical evidence being discovered and uncovered and uh, collected that um, is putting us in the right direction. Um, My second favorite cryptid would have to be the Mothman of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, not necessarily because there's evidence being found there, just because there's so much involved in that phenomenon. It's not just a cryptid, but there's UFOs involved in that phenomenon. Um, Paranormal activity, men in black, there's just so much so much entangled in, in that, that subject that's fascinating to me. But all, I love all cryptids. Um, Bigfoot would be my favorite if I had to rank them, but uh, they all fascinate me. And uh, any chance I get to look into any of these cryptids or any of these strange creatures to go investigate, I'm out the door looking. It is a fun time. Like, I look at it, man, even my son loves to go out there and look. You know, he's only eight years old, and and... But if I tell him I'm going out to look for Sasquatch or look for monsters, he's like right there. He's like, Dad, can I come? Of course you can, <laughs> bud. Of course you can. You know, but we, you have to have rules. You know, I yeah. mean, you don't leave me. I don't need any of that David Politis stuff happening with my kid. You know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but uh, he knows, he kind of knows, uh, you know, what's going on. And, and you know... Hopefully uh, he can turn into a monster hunter himself one day with that. I mean, where does Dogman rank on your list? 
Uh, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I'm not a big Dogman fan, um, and simply because I, I don't have many cases that I've looked into. I know Butch Wachowski and Lon Strickler have received a lot of reports from Eastern Pennsylvania. They call it the Lichen Loop, and uh, they've gotten their share of reports. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jay Pachochin from up in Wisconsin, lives very close to Bray Road and Linda Godfrey. Uh, they've looked into the the, uh, the lichens up there, the dogman, if you will, or werewolves, or whatever you want to call them. Um, I've never come across reports that I've seen evidence to convince me that people are seeing something. So I think it's um, more the fact that I I don't necessarily pre- prescribe to it because I've never had the chance to investigate it, if that makes sense. Um, I know others have had um, their, their feet deep in the water taking the cases, talking to eyewitnesses, finding the evidence. I've never come across anything. Um, I've had one report, I think, in the past 10, 15 years of the Dogman. And uh, that that's pretty much it for me. I mean, I've never had the chance to go out and look for evidence re- concerning a Dogman report. So I'm kind of biased in that regard, I guess. See, for me, I, Dogman, I don't want to see it, man. I don't want to deal with it. It scares the living daylights out of me. But it's one of those things that I want to see once. You know, I, sure. I, I want to see it just once. Hopefully from a distance. Hopefully in my vehicle. I don't want to be walking some trail, you know, looking for Sasquatch prints and come across this thing or or its pack or whatever it may be. That's not going to be a good day for old Davey, you know, because I'm definitely going to have to change my pants after that happens nonetheless though i mean i'm not going to take too much time on dogman here but you know do you understand the mystique that kind of goes with that creature considering everybody doesn't matter researcher or not just seems to be terrified of this thing absolutely and the reports that i've read about it and talking with other researchers um the general consensus is this is a very angry very aggressive um, animal when people encounter it, it it doesn't necessarily attack people per se but it's very aggressive in its stance um, growling uh, just putting off that era of evil when people see it and let's be honest if you see a bigfoot in the woods yeah they're, they're massive in size they're imposing they're going to scare you but when you see something like this that is snarling and growling has these fangs and claws and it looks like it could really just rip you apart in a matter of seconds. That's pretty intimidating. So I can certainly understand why people are a little intimidated by this, this creature when they come across it or even reading the encounters. I certainly wouldn't want to come across one myself. And uh, if I did, hopefully I'd be heavily armed so I could protect myself because these things are pretty nasty from what I've read. Yeah. And you know, I'm the same way with that. I, you know, I'm still not convinced that some of these cryptid creatures, man, can be taken down with with a gun. Uh, you know, yeah. I still think there is something a little bit different about them. I, I, I hesitate to use the word supernatural. I used to use that word, but I'm just not sure. Because, look, there are some brilliant outdoors people out there with very accurate shots, and we don't have a body. Right. We don't have anything. And I don't want to get into the body debate because the story is the same all the time. Well, we don't see bear bodies. We don't see coyote bodies. We don't see, you know, I mean, I understand that. But, I mean, when you look at this creature, man, where do you stand on the debate between 
the animal aspect of this creature or the potential supernatural special specialness of this creature are we talking bigfoot or are we talking dogman well let's talk let's let's combine the two okay well um realistically if these are animals they should die like normal animals do they should be susceptible to being shot at and harvested um if somebody shoots a, a deer in the wild or a bear in the wild um a coyote these animals are going to go down eventually. Um, whether they're wounded, eventually they will die. And if it's a good hunter, like you mentioned, there's some brilliant outdoorsmen out there, they should be able to track and find the remains of this animal, the, the, the corpse. But that hasn't happened with Bigfoot or with Dogman, as far as I'm aware. Uh, I know of many, many reports that I've read um, over the years, talked with many uh, researchers as well as eyewitnesses who've told me they've shot at a Bigfoot or they know of someone that shot at a Bigfoot, and it had no effect. Um, as far as Dogman goes, I don't know of anybody that's shot at a Dogman. Like I mentioned, I, I'm not real familiar with other than reading reports myself. But um, I've talked to many, many researchers who've said, yeah, we have have the reports of people shooting point blank at a Bigfoot, and it has little to no effect. It just walks away or runs off into the forest. And if it were an animal, it should have some kind of an effect. We should find trails of blood. We should find uh, a body eventually, but we're not finding that. So it makes you wonder what we're dealing with. Is it truly an animal or is it something, as you mentioned, hate to put that in the category of supernatural, but could it be supernatural? Or does it just simply have the ability, such a, a thick hide or fur or whatever, that keeps the bullet from penetrating? We, we just don't know at this point. It's a big guessing game. And until we get a body of either creature, we really cannot judge, you know, what damage a bullet can do. You know, exactly. we, we can only assume. I mean, do they have some sort of special armor in their in their structure? Do they have do they take a bullet? Can it pass right through? Do they have cloaking capabilities? Do they have the point where they could go into invisibility? I mean, the funny part about this field, Eric, is you can't rule anything out, yet so many researchers out there are ruling out things before they've even studied it. You know, what do you take what's your take on on the way people are investigating these cryptid creatures? Well, in defense of those who rule out, um, I'm one, I shouldn't say closed-minded, but they rule out any possibilities or, or leaving those possibilities open. Um, I think they're using science as their basis of study. And science as we know it um, and we understand it right now, that there's, those animals can't fall into the realm of science based on shooting them and a bullet passing through them or having a cloaking disability. It just doesn't fit what we know about the zoological world, the animal kingdom. Um, again, we don't know everything about these animals. We don't know, truly, we don't know if they really exist because we don't have a body. Um, so in defense of those people who don't lean on the side of all possibilities, you know, they're looking at this from a scientific perspective rather than an open mind. Um, and in just my opinion, someone with an open mind needs to look at all possibilities. You can't rule out anything until you know for sure that's not the answer. Yeah, but that's, that's what I try that's what I try to do with my research. That though, man, is science. What we oh, I agree. what we have is a bunch of people going out there conducting opinion. 
You can lean one way or the other. That doesn't matter. But if you're ruling out like the BFRO, where they actually will go as far as editing their reports that come in, if there's any woo tied to them, all right, you're not doing the field any favors. You can I sit, agree. You can sit there and say that you are conducting scientific experimentation or research on this. Well, the problem is 90% of the amateur scientists who are out there are conducting opinion, and the other 10 haven't conducted a scientific experiment since probably high school. And that is the problem that we have. You know, I mean, there is no Sasquatch for Dummies book out there. <laughs> you know, where we, we could, where we could uh, train this. So, I mean, how do you go about teaching people then keep an open mind? You can have your beliefs. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with believing it's a, it's a, it's a naturalized creature. There's nothing wrong with believing it's an alien or it has some super natural ability, but how do you teach people to keep an open mind? Well, I just try to teach by example. Um, how I, I research. And the way I research is I, I have to keep an open mind because we don't have all the answers. Now, just because I believe that uh, Bigfoot or Dogman or any of the cryptids are a flesh and blood animal, just because my belief is in that, that mindset doesn't mean that I should ignore all the other cases because there are cases that say maybe there's something more to this going on than we realize and we understand that falls outside of our scientific understanding and knowledge. So I, I try to tell people, you know, you can't judge something based on your personal belief because if that were the case, you'd miss a lot of evidence, possible evidence. You miss, you miss a lot of cases with eyewitnesses who are credible people and having these experiences so in my opinion, you can't rule anything out at this point because we just don't have the answers. Now, once we start getting answers in, once we have a, an idea, a better idea looking at the Dogman or the Bigfoot, once we have um, better understanding what these creatures are, then maybe you can start ruling out some of these other possibilities. But until... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That happens. You can't rule out anything. You have to be. You have to remain objective as possible, but keeping an open mind to anything as possible. 
Very true. Very true. And and for for the people who come to you looking for education, as we got about two minutes left before we have to go to break here, you know, what do you tell them to do? Is it focus on your own safety first, or do you teach them right away to how to start looking for the creature? Well, what I usually tell people to do that are interested in getting in the, involved in this is educate yourself first. Um, read up on the subject matter, um, and, and I recommend uh, a variety of different types of books or literature for them to read on so they can learn about historical information um, that, that goes back hundreds of years so they get a good basis to build upon. And when they're ready to start doing field work, go out with someone who has experience in the field, whether it be an outdoorsman or an outdoor woman um, or a researcher who's had years in the field experience talking to eyewitnesses, looking for evidence, boots on the ground, that sort of thing. Don't just go out there to cold turkey and jump right into it because you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And it's okay to make mistakes, but if you have someone that you can go out with like a mentor or someone that's willing to show you the ropes, you're going to learn a lot quicker and you're going to avoid a lot of those mistakes. So I, I try to tell people, educate yourself, learn as much as you can before jumping right in. And when you're ready and you're comfortable and you feel like you're ready to jump in, find someone that you can connect with, someone that has knowledge, experience, um, and get, get involved with them so they can teach you the right way to do things and show you the ropes. And most importantly, like we talked about, remain objective, but have an open mind. Very true. And I think that is very sound advice, my friend. Very sound advice that not a lot of people are given out there. And, and you know, you've been there, you've seen it, you've done it all, and you have been able to figure it out probably, you know, from learning like legends with like Butch Wachowski and Stan Gordon. But you've had to put your own spin on everything as well. Yep. And I think that is a good lesson learned. It really is because there is so much more to this as we head to break here than just going out and looking for Bigfoot. There is safety. What happens if something happens to you? Are you prepared? Are you prepared to stay a night or two in the forest in case you get lost? You know, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. But when we come back from the break, we're going to talk some Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Eric Altman is here, my friends. Fantastic beard. Excellent researcher. This guy rocks Sasquatch. And we're going to get into his personal sightings, his personal encounters, and his personal research into the big, hairy giant of the North American forests. We'll be back right after this on the Mighty SOR. And we're clear, my friend. Excellent. Is somebody on a keyboard there? Uh, my son is, yes. Oh, very cool. Is he doing his is homework? Is coming in too loud for you? Uh, no, I just wanted to know. I can hear it, but it's not distracting. Okay. No. If he's doing homework, then uh, good for him. Now, if he's, yeah, he's doing if, some late night stuff. If, now, if he's sitting there uh, playing uh, you know, some games, I'm, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> what are you doing over there? <laughs> coding. Oh, he's working on computer stuff. He's coding for oh, a website. Oh, my God. He's a smart kid. He is. He, well, he's actually coding for a game, a gaming website. So he's, wow. he's he knows that computer stuff a lot better than I do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Thank you, Mister Catfish, for the two dollars super chat. Really do appreciate that. And we've missed you in the chat room. It's good to see you back, brother. 
Good to see you back. And uh, let's see. Uh, Vanner Smith, good point here. I forgot to mention something. A great beard is required before you go Sasquatch hunting. Very true. Very true. It helps if you get lost in the woods because if you've had dinner earlier in the day and you get lost while you're out Bigfoot researching at night, Mm -hmm. you have leftovers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, Trust me. There's very many times when my beard has been been bigger where I've been uh, all of a sudden catching myself going like this, you know, to get a taste of my sandwich that I had earlier. It's true. Everybody thought I was uh, typing there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not me tonight, people. Not me. I'm not that yes, smart. Not me either. My hands are on my knees, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't type really well with my right hand. Anyways, I had shoulder surgery, as I told you, about a month ago. And yeah. I can't really use my right arm yet. Oh, man. At least you get it done uh, before the... Uh before the uh, big run for everything to get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When do you get back in the field? Um, we're going out tomorrow night, actually, or nice. Friday night. We're going into a location where there have been previous Dogman and Bigfoot reports. Nice. And there was a, our latest report came in May of this year, um, and we're heading into that area. There's uh, the Forbes State Forest in southwestern Pennsylvania, where there's been just hundreds of reports over the the decades. I um, we had this massive forest fire here that just stopped burning a couple weeks ago. About the size of 70,000 football fields. Wow. Okay. Massive. Wow. And mm. where my one gifting site is, literally, uh, they logged the, you take this uh, this uh, forestry road, and they logged the, the one side of it, and, you know, to kind of build a, a break in case the fire had got that close. Right. And then what they were doing is they were making cuts in the forest on where to lay the logs down. Well, they put this cut in the forest, which was, and they literally stopped cutting about 20 feet from my gifting site. Oh, wow. And I don't (laughs) know whether they saw the gifting site and that's what stopped them. Hmm. Or if they just did that, because one of the trees that fell literally fell about eight feet from it. If Hmm. that. And I went in there uh, about a week and a half ago, and I was just like, no, 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 please. And my stuff was still there. Oh, so nothing's taken it. No, but I mean, like the area where we had a 15-inch print a few Mm -hmm. years ago, I mean, you can't even, that area has been torn up. You know, I mean, there was a lot of bedding of animals in there. A lot of deer would bed in there because in between the trees, there was a lot of, a a lot of tall grass. Right. So even with the snow between the tall grass and the snow, it would, it would be a good bedding area for, for deer. And you'd see areas where you could tell there was at least 
eight, 10 deer huddled together on a cold night, you know, sure. and it was, it was sad, man. I, I, I damn near cried when I, when I, when I pulled up there, but what can you do? Hold on one second here. Thank you. Yeah. Dirt road times two. Jeremy catfish, double Tim and Nicola for the awesome super chats. Remember, it is a fantastic way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Thank you to all the veterans who are tuning on in. We really appreciate you. And, of course, to all the regulars. Here we go with the second half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. We continue talking cryptids all night long here. Our guest is Eric Altman. He is a legendary researcher out of the state of Pennsylvania, and he's getting ready to go on another search for Sasquatch. And we're going to get into some Sasquatch here right now with Eric. Eric, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here with you again. Always a pleasure to have you here, my friend. You know, when we look at Sasquatch, as we talked in the first half hour, there are so many variables that seem to be around this entire phenomena. And you've been doing this a long time. Have you any clue just yet on what Sasquatch is? No idea. To be perfectly honest with you. When I, when I got involved in this many, many years ago, um, my set thinking was this was just simply an undiscovered primate, um, something that we just haven't classified yet. And it's a very low breeding population, very elusive. And that's why we weren't able to um, discover this animal to, to prove it exists. But over the years, this rabbit hole has taken some pretty strange twists and turns. Um, here I am 25 years later, and I still don't have any answers. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. There's um, the Bigfoot research phenomenon itself has been going on now for probably maybe 75, 80 years, um, modern research, I should say. And uh, 
we still don't have any answers. So I, I can't tell you what Bigfoot is. I don't think anybody really knows. There's opinions and there's uh, speculation, but no one really knows. And until we have a body and we're able to study it, dissect it, and, and uh, or even study one in its live natural habitat, we're just not going to know. And um, I still think that it's some kind of animal we just haven't discovered. But uh, what kind of animal it is, I have no idea. Well, let's talk about that. You know, when you first started this compared to your ideas now, what changed for you in your thinking of what this creature is? Uh, the cases were a huge influence on changing my thinking of what this creature may be. And what I mean by that is talking to eyewitnesses who have had things happen and witness things with their own eyes um, or multiple witnesses have experienced things or witnessed things that aren't typical of what an animal should be able to do. Um, as we talked a little bit about shooting an animal, um, I've read the reports about people taking shots at point blank range and it having no effect on the animal whatsoever. I've talked to eyewitnesses who have watched a creature walk across the road in front of their vehicle and it just literally vanishes. It doesn't you know, run off into the woods or jump into a tree. It just literally vanishes. It's there one second and gone the next. Um, people have described this animal being so fast that it runs like a blur through the forest. People have described this thing as gliding through the forest. It's running so fast. They don't see legs moving. They just see this thing gliding. Typical animals don't do that. They don't just disappear in front of you with no explanation. And talking with these eyewitnesses, um, usually I, I don't, um, I'm a pretty good judge of character and I, I, I can get a good, pretty good vibe if this person's either off the rocker or lying or making something up. But sometimes when these people have nothing to prove to anybody, they really don't want to give their name out. They're reluctant to talk about it because they're afraid of uh, being ridiculed or being made fun of or thought that they're crazy. And they tell their story and you can see them become emotional about it. They saw something. And to them, it's something they've never seen before or experienced and they're not familiar with and it scares them. And these cases that I've, I've, I've looked into, and we'll talk about some of these cases. I'll be happy to share some of them with Please. you. Uh, they're, just, they're just baffling. I mean, a normal animal shouldn't be able to walk across the road in front of a car and just literally vanish with no explanation. That, that shouldn't happen. Now, I could see if, if someone sees a Bigfoot in the forest and it's moving through the trees and they're watching it and all of a sudden it vanishes to them. Yeah, it could blend into its surroundings. It, they're usually dark in color, brown, black, a dark, shaggy gray. Um, and they can line, line up with a tree or even look like a tree. They stand perfectly still and the person looking at them doesn't see them anymore because they're blending in with their surroundings. They're, they're naturally camouflaging themselves. But when something walks across the road in front of a vehicle and just vanishes, that's, that's a little unique. <laughs> that's a little unique. So, I mean, those, those kinds of cases, and there are not a lot of them. It's not like I'm getting them by the dozens, but they happen once in a while. And that really makes you take a step back and think, okay, well, maybe there is a little something more to this than we're actually realizing. And that's why I keep an open mind and, and I try to remain objective as possible, but there are things going on that we just simply don't understand yet. And, and that's the big one right there is the, the stories that people are seeing, you know, whether it's following tracks in the snow and the tracks just vanish or in a mud, in a mud field, like a farmer's yard after a farmer's field after a heavy rain where the soft uh, soil uh, makes a great track and all of a sudden, poof, 
they're gone. I, you know, you've you've uh, investigated this way more than I have. I've just heard some of the stories. But for you, when you get stories like this, I mean, how does this disrupt the logical way of thinking? Uh, it does. <laughs> I mean, I sit there and I, I, I go over these cases and I try to rationalize, okay, well, maybe this happened that caused the person to see the Bigfoot disappear. Maybe they closed their eyes. They were scared. And by, in that few seconds, they had their eyes shut. It ran off. You know, I try to come up with rational explanations. In some of these cases, I, I can't. I'm just sitting there and it's, I'm like, it's almost like banging your head off a desk. You know, it's like, what am I missing here? Why is this animal doing what the person says it's doing? I don't think the person's lying and I don't think they're making something up, but how can an animal jump across a 30 foot from a Creek bankment to the other side of the Creek? How can it jump that far? No animal should be able to do that, especially an animal of that size and stature on two legs. Um, how can an animal just vanish in, in plain sight? How does that happen? And some of these things I, I just I can't I can't explain. And it's it drives me crazy sometimes trying to make sense of it. And this mystery, like I said, it's a rabbit hole and it's it has some pretty interesting twists and turns that I, I've seen along the way. And I understand that. Do you have a story that you have investigated that has something like this happening? Um yeah, I'll share one with you. And this happened um in twenty nineteen. It was in um late uh early October, um, late September. And, uh, I got a phone call from Stan Gordon. Um, I was just about to go to bed that night and he said, I just got a call from a father whose teenage son was driving home from work and he saw a, a very large hair covered creature run across the road in front of his high beams, stopped in the middle of the road and then ran up into a cemetery and disappeared. I said, Oh wow. Where did this happen at? He said, it's about 30 miles from where you live. And the father and the son are willing to meet us in the morning and show us the exact location. Or you want, do you want to go? And I was like, absolutely. So I picked up Stan and we headed down and we met this young man. He's probably about 18, 17, 18 years old, a senior in high school, um, a straight A student. Um, he was on the honor roll and very intelligent. He, he had a part-time job while he went to school and uh, he was a good kid. And the father told us he, he didn't get in any trouble. He, he really wasn't, on drugs or drinking, anything like that. He was just a, a straight, straight arrow kid coming home from work that night. And he's coming up a hill, rounds a bend on the hill. And it is, it's a drizzly out. It's not pouring down rain, but it's drizzling. And he's has the wipers on and he's driving a little slow. Cause he knows the curve is pretty sharp. And he comes around the bend and standing on the left-hand side of the road on the berm of the road was this upright figure. And when the high beams first hit it, he thought it was a person standing there rather than, you know, a Bigfoot. He didn't assume it was a Bigfoot. It wasn't until the, this thing walked out in the middle of the road and stopped right in front of his car. And, of course, he hit the brakes and came to a very, very close within maybe 10 to 15 feet of this creature stop. And this thing was looking down at him standing in the middle of the road. And that's when he realized this wasn't a person. It was a hair-covered creature. He had never seen anything like it before didn't really know. He was kind of in shock. He didn't know what to do. And he realized that he had a cell phone sitting on the passenger seat right next to him. He thought, well, this is my chance to get a picture, get a video of it, you know, maybe get some proof. And he reached down, turned to his right, grabbed the phone, looked up, and this creature started to walk to the right up into this old abandoned cemetery. And he said, well, I'm right behind. I'm only 15 feet away. I'm going to follow it with the high beams and get a good video of it. As he turned his car to, to drive up the gravel road, this creature walked up 
the creature was no longer there. It didn't run off. It didn't jump. It wasn't beamed up. It was just not there. And his high beams completely illuminated the cemetery. And he should have seen something there in the cemetery, but it was gone. And as we're talking to him and he's recounting what he had experienced that night, the night before, he started welling up in tears. Like he was so just shook up by it. He still couldn't believe what he's, he saw and experienced. And uh, he showed us exactly where the creature was standing, where it crossed the road, went up the gravel road into the cemetery. And um, I met with the father. I pulled the father aside and talked with him. And that's where I got the background information about his son. And I said, do you think it's possible he's just making this up? Um, he maybe saw a guy run across her. He said, absolutely not. My son doesn't do this stuff. And uh, we were convinced that he definitely saw something, but where it went, we had no idea. So I said, why don't we scour the cemetery? It rained. There's wet ground. There should be tracks. We looked from on the left-hand side of the road where he saw it standing. There was nothing on the uh, embankment, the berm of the road, indicating that something walked up to that point. Um, we checked in the cemetery. I scoured the entire cemetery with the father. The only thing I saw were human boot prints that were a little older, um, some deer tracks, um, some turkey tracks, and that was it. There were no signs of a bipedal, barefooted creature in that cemetery. Um, talking to Stan, as Stan and I kind of conversed on the side without the father and the son being there, we were like baffled. How does this thing literally walk into a cemetery in high beams and just vanish? But it, according to this kid, it did. So we decided to go look around the perimeter of the cemetery and walk down around the bend where he came up the hill from. And we're lock, walking along the side of the road. We walked down the hill. We didn't see any tracks other than some deer tracks. And as we're coming back up the hill, this woman was standing outside in her driveway getting groceries out of her vehicle. And she said, what are you guys looking for? I said, well, um, I don't think you'd really believe us if we told you. He said, no, what are you guys looking for? I seen you walk down looking on the sides of the road. Did you lose an animal? Did you lose a wallet or something? I said, no, we got a report at the top of the hill around the curve that someone had a Bigfoot walk across the road in front of the vehicle. And she stopped for a second. She said, what time did that happen? I said, about 9, 9.30 last night. She goes, that's really weird. And I said, oh, why is that? She said, about that time, the dogs in my house went absolutely crazy. They were running from window to window, barking and growling like there was an intruder or prowler outside my house. But when I went to... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Look, I didn't see anything, but this went on for 10 or 15 minutes. I'm running from window to window, barking and growling. So that kind of added to the story that corroborated. Maybe this kid did actually see a Bigfoot because the dogs were acting pretty peculiar. And we went back up to the cemetery and we, again, we walked around, we looked around, we talked to the kid again. We got his story again. He didn't change it. Again, his eyes welled up when he recounted his story. So we can't say honestly that a Bigfoot disappeared in front of him, but we're convinced that he saw something and what he told us is what he believes to be the truth. I can't believe there's not a single footprint, but the one thing that really caught my attention about this story is I'm starting to hear a lot of people reporting Sasquatch sightings and even Dogman sightings around graveyards. What is with graveyards that is attracting these creatures? Well, we're not sure if there's any correlation um, between cemeteries, graveyards, and these creatures. There's been many reports over the years that have, these creatures have been seen around the cemeteries and graveyards. I, I have no idea if there's a correlation um, or not, um, but they are happening, yes. And uh, working with Stan as long as I have and talking with him about it, we're convinced that there, there has to be some reason they're, they're visiting cemeteries. We, we just don't know why. Uh, if I can share a real quick case from you from Stan's files. Um, this happened in the 1970s. A uh, young woman and uh, a child were visiting a, a grave in the cemetery in Latro, Pennsylvania. And this was in 1973. And while they were paying respects to a relative at the grave site, they noticed a hair-covered creature watching them from the tree line just at the edge of the cemetery. And it came out of the cemetery and walked towards them. In a panic, they, the, the mother grabbed the child. They jumped in the car and went home and took off. And when they got home, a little bit later on, the same creature showed up at their house. Um, it was moving around their yard and, and looking in windows and whatnot. But that's just another example. And, and we have dozens, if not multiple, multiple cases of these creatures being seen around cemeteries. Both Dogman, I've read those reports, and Bigfoot as well. What it means... No idea. I don't know. And, and you know what? We got chased out. When we got chased out of the forest a couple of years ago, this was at a crash site, a plane crash site where 52 people died in 1965. You know, I mean, to be chased out of there, I mean, that was a graveyard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm -hmm. like literally you could still see the seats where people were sitting when wow. the plane hit the ground. And it just amazes me that I, I really strongly believe that these creatures have almost some sort of protection of these types of areas. You, you know, they're almost like protectors. Have you ever gone down that road or is that too woo? Um, no, it's not, not too woo for me. Um, I have not gone down that road, but I've read the reports. And, and actually, this is an interesting um, situation here where we're going on Friday night for our investigation, there is an old abandoned cemetery within maybe 50 to 75 yards where we're setting up our base camp. 
So we're going to be investigating in the woods where there is a cemetery close by, and, and hopefully we'll have something happen. Um, they, they very well might be protectors. And, and this idea has been thrown up by researchers, and I'm sure you've heard this as well as your listeners have. There are theories that Bigfoot may bury their dead, and they may see if they're observing us burying dead, there may, may, maybe they're seeing some kind of connection, and maybe it's reverence or them feeling protective of these these sites. We, we really don't know for sure. It's all speculation. It's all just throwing it out there, but it's, it's a possibility we have to consider. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, that would almost show some sort of compassion or mm-hmm. spiritual guidance to this phenomena. It's it's a possibility. Um, it's it's baffling because we we just don't have enough information to tie the two together. But we keep getting these reports, just like the same with the, the reports that we get with power sources. And I'm sure you've heard about this too. There's been multiple cases over the years, and I've investigated cases myself where these creatures are showing up near water sources, gas well lines, electric lines, um, cell phone antennas. They're showing multiple, multiple cases over the years where the creatures have been seen in or around um, a power source. And we have no idea why they are, but we're getting more and more cases like that as well. I want to ask you about footprints here for a second, because we all dream of finding that that long length of footprints, maybe 20, 30, 50, 100, 200 steps. It's very difficult to even think about seeing one of those. You know, and the conditions have to be perfect and right. And it's got to be a pretty confident creature to leave that type of path. But for the most part, people find one print. Mm-hmm. One. Where there should be multiple. The the two prints that I have personally seen in the ground, both were right foot. And they were 200 feet apart. One was 18 inches one was five inches. Why do you, or fifteen inches? Pardon me. Why do you think that in certain areas we only ever get one print? And and believe it or not, I don't know if you noticed this, but from other researchers that I've talked to, it always almost like seven, eight times out of ten uh, is always a right footprint. Yeah, most of the castings that I have in my collection. And um, they're not all my personal castings I've collected from other researchers. They're mainly right foot casts. Um, Why that is, I don't know. And um, I know from my personal experience in investigating, I've only ever found trackways of more than four or five prints on three different occasions. Um, Usually it's one or two tracks and that's it, where the the ground condition should be uh, or is ripe for more than two tracks. Um, my brother-in-law and I investigated a case in Beaver County about uh, six, seven years ago where a person was driving down the Pennsylvania Turnpike, just about to get on the Turnpike, and they saw a creature standing on a snowy hillside. It was walking across the top of the hillside, and uh, they stopped. They watched this creature walk across the hillside and disappear into the tree line, and the guy called me from that spot as he was watching this creature, and I was on my way to work. And I took the call, and, and it's, he's, he's watching and experiencing it. I'm on the phone with him, and I wish he would have had video at that time, but he didn't have a video cell phone. But as he's telling me what's going on, he's giving me the exact location 
um, telling me the description. I called my brother-in-law and I'm like, I'm going to work, but I'm not going to work now. <laughs> so we uh, we made it up there that morning. We were there probably a few hours after the, the sighting took place. There should have been a track line in the snow where this guy said this creature, he saw this creature walking. And I think we maybe found two, three possible tracks in the snow and that's it. And we should have been, we should have found a trackway that went on for a good length before going into the tree line, even going into the tree line, we should have still found tracks, but we didn't. Um, I know I've been on other cases where I've gotten phone calls from people. They've found tracks. Um, last year in August, I got a call from a fisherman who found several prints along the Creek bank um, very early in the morning when he went fishing and he called me, he sent me pictures of his cell phone, taking uh, pictures of these tracks. I went down, met him. He showed me the tracks. I casted several of them. Um, they were small prints, uh, about 11 inches, but, um, again, there should have been a trackway, but they were, it was really odd. They were like the two or three prints and then nothing. And then a huge, huge distance, maybe eight to 10 feet, we'd find another print. And I know these creatures don't have an eight foot stride, but who knows, who knows why we're only finding one or two tracks or we're not finding consistent trackways. It doesn't make sense. Not at all. We've got about 90 seconds to go before we have to go to break here at the top of the hour. Cryptid researcher, monster hunter, Eric Altman is with us tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Eric, you know, as we press for these footprints and these tracks, where can people go to try and find them? What do we need to be looking for to find them? Do we have to go off the trail? Do we have to take deer trails? Is it a matter of of driving slowly down a, a forestry road? Where can we find them? What what gives us the best opportunity? Usually you're going to find them off trail. Um, I've very rarely found any tracks on trail or on the road. Or If they are on the road, they're crossing one side to the other. You'll find maybe a print or two in the roadway, which usually get wiped out by people driving a truck or whatever, an ATV down that, that trailway. But I usually tell people to look in the forest itself, um, look in clearings, look, follow deer trails, game trails, that's usually the best place to find tracks. Um, and the best condition to look for tracks in is well, obviously snow, sand, if you're able to find a sandy area, mud, of course. Those provide the best um, areas conducive to leaving prints. Hard ground, leafy matter on the ground, you're not going to find anything maybe than an indentation or impression. And that really doesn't tell you much other than it's an impression. But I tell people to look on game trails, um, crossing a road you might get lucky finding one or two but usually it's in the forest itself and that's where you got to be safe because in most areas in those trails there are animals there that want to hurt you and kill you because you're just in their (laughs) area at least in mine there is and Mm -hmm. i don't take that chance i really do not take that chance eric i'm going to get you to hold on right there because we're going to continue the sasquatch talk when we come back, we're going to get some real cool stories from Eric when he returns. Eric Altman, everybody, the monster hunter from Pennsylvania. All he needs is some plaid, and he'd look Canadian, just to be honest. <laughs> Sasquatch talk, other monsters, later on in the show, some paranormal. Spaced Out Radio continues with Hour 2 next.
I got a question for you on a personal sure. level here. Um, have you ever investigated forest fire areas for Sasquatch? Yeah. Um, actually, it's funny you bring that up. Um, there was a forest fire that took place in an area that we researched consistently uh, about two years ago, 2019. And uh, we have our the, the Bigfoot camping adventure that we talked about where we hold it. Yeah, uh, there was a forest fire that happened in that area, and after the forest fire was out, uh, a couple of guys in my team went down and we looked around that area. We didn't find anything except a lot of burned trees and, and you know burned area, but we didn't find any tracks or any sign. I think personally, when the fire came through, it pushed them out, and as the area starts to recover and things start to grow back, they'll more than likely move back into that area. But I think once that forest fire came through, it moved them out of the area. Yeah. That I'm thinking, like both my gifting sites were missed by the fires, but the, oh, fi- the the fire encroached on the one, and the fire surrounded the second one. Oh wow! But because my gifting site is at the, where this crash site is, or mm-hmm. near where this crash site is, those firefighters were doing their damnedest to keep that fire away from the plane debris because that's a historical site now. And yeah. so I'm just wondering if both of those areas would, for lack of a better term, be dead now because they would have been pushed out with all the other animals in that area. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, a leg up on the forest fire situation. My brother-in-law, who I mentioned, is a, uh, a fire warden. And um, if the forest fires start in the area we're doing research, he, he's part, he, that's part of the area he covers. So he's in there fighting fires and stuff like that. So if anything happens in that area or he's alerted to anything, he lets me know. So that's, that's something cool to have in the back of my mind. If, we, if another forest fire happens, he's out there in the woods you know, until the fire is done working to put it out. So, Yeah, that, that is great. That is great because I just, I, I know where I have to go for my next area. I have to go right into grizzly bear territory. That's, yeah. that's where I have to go. And I, I had reports uh, from, from a friend of mine who knew this old uh, trapper in the area. And uh, there's been dogman sightings there in the past as well. But behind this mountain, he used to have his trap lines and he, he was telling a friend of mine that every now and again his he would bring his he had two big Rottweilers, and his Rottweilers would go play with the Sasquatch. Hmm. Like the, the the Sasquatch weren't afraid of the dogs. The dogs weren't afraid of the Sasquatch, and he would he would kind of see them together every now and again. Not often. It wasn't wow. one of these you know everyday things. But I mean, when you're a mountain man and you're making your life off of trapping. You know, even though I'm not a fan of trapping, but hey, that's how he made his life. You right. you, uh, you have to be able to, you know, adapt to your wilderness. And yeah. That, and that's what he did. Hmm. Wow. I've been working with, um, this past summer, I've been um, working with, and I've been to the area. Um, he is a forestry worker for the state of Pennsylvania. And he's a fam- former game warden, um, law enforcement officer, and 
his father had a sighting in 2014 and he has had his own two personal experiences with Sasquatch. And he just sent me game camera photos of something. It, it's whatever it is. It's hairy. And it only looks like it only caught the side of the head and the shoulder of something that stepped in front of a game camera. It's pretty intriguing, but it doesn't prove anything obviously. But um, yeah, he's, he's, we checked his credentials and his background. He's definitely a game warden and or was a former game warden. And now he works for the forestry service. And uh, we had a good two hour conversation about why the government, especially the forestry service is so reluctant to acknowledge, reluctant to talk about, even discuss openly about the subject. And he said he went to his supervisor about his experiences and his supervisor told him, well, you have one of two things that can happen. You can just, keep quiet about it, pretend it never happened and continue working, or you can bring it out publicly and put your job at risk. Yeah. So I'm the only one he's ever told about other than a supervisor and his father, of course. And, and it's funny about three weeks ago, I met, I, I bought a drum set for my son off of, uh, off of Facebook marketplace. And it mm-hmm. just, it just so happened. The guy I bought it from is one of two conservation officers in our area. Oh, okay. So of course, immediately I'm like, dude, you got to fill me in here. He's like, dude, I've only been here like five months. He goes, I don't have any stories. He goes, but I will call you if anything nice. happens. And I told him about the radio show and everything. And and it's weird because his wife, uh, his wife works in forestry too. And uh, they were all like, no, we haven't seen anything or heard anything in this area. And I, I said, well, I found prints. I said, but I mean, they weren't deflecting the conversation, which I thought mm-hmm. was a very, very cool thing to do, it, you know. Um, but the, like, they seem very interested in the topic. So who knows? May lead somewhere. Give me a second here. Thank you to Catfish, to Dirt Road Times Two, Jeremy, Double Tim, and Nicola for the amazing super chats. Remember, the super chat is open and a great way to support what we do on a nightly basis. We so appreciate your help. Thank you to all the veterans and regulars here tonight. Let's start off hour two. Get your horns up. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. You just go to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Abiectic. Abiectic is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, 
Reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. We continue on tonight talking monsters, Sasquatch, all night long. We'll get into some paranormal later on in the show. Our guest tonight, longtime researcher Eric Altman out of the state of Pennsylvania. Eric, I got a couple of audience questions for you, if you don't mind, right off the bat. Sure, absolutely. All right, let's go to Super YJ who says, what stories do you know of Sasquatch being hunted from helicopters by officials? I'll be perfectly honest with you. I do not know of any stories of officials hunting for Sasquatch by helicopter. I know there was a report about Mount St. Helens years ago where supposedly they hauled a carcass of a dead Bigfoot off in a helicopter. But as far as them hunting for a Bigfoot, Bigfoot or a Sasquatch, I don't know of any. Um, I know there are researchers who are starting to use um, helicopters with thermal flare to look for creatures, but as far as officials go, I don't know of any. You know what? I can say this, and I can't say where I saw it, okay, or where it's from, but I was sent a video by someone whom I trust very deeply in, in the uh, Sasquatch community. And it was a helicopter video of a Sasquatch running through the forest. And you could, the video is about 42 seconds long. And you could literally see this thing running through the forest. You know, it, it's making leaps. You could tell the speed that it's going at. Uh, this video was taken at night with, with night vision. And the way this creature is running through this dark forest at night. It is amazing. And the jumps that it was making in order to like clear stumps or, or, or banks that it had to jump down on it. To me, it's the best video I've seen since Patterson Gimlin. And I, I can't release it. Number one, number two, it was on my previous profile that got deleted by Facebook. (laughs) And I got to see if I could get another copy of it, but I have seen it happen. And I think it's incredible. I wish that video would be released to the public, but I'm not going to be able to uh, to do that. And, man, sometimes I hate being sworn to secrecy. I can understand that. But that actually... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Makes the video a little more uh, credible because for someone to be running in the forest at night without any light or visibility and able to make leaps and jumps through a forest and not be able to see and only be seen by a helicopter with th- with uh, night vision is pretty, pretty intriguing. I don't know of any humans that have night vision capability without a flashlight. They're able to, to see obstructions, stumps, gaps, um, divots, ravines, whatever you want to call them, and be able to run and continue to run without falling or, or wiping out or you know, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right near the end uh, where it hits the end of it, uh, it runs into this group of trees and just vanishes. Like, you just can't see it. The canopy is mm. too thick on the trees, but it was pretty incredible. Vanner Smith has a question for you. Your brother, who you mentioned during the break, works in in, in uh, forest industry as a firefighter. Right. Has your brother ever been contacted by the government about Sasquatch? Not that I know of, and my brother-in-law and I are pretty close, and uh, I think he would be the first to, to come to me and say, "Hey, hey, Eric, you know, these people showed up at my house, or these people called me." He would he would tell me if, if somebody did contact him about it. Um, he's he's not uh, one to <laughs> to keep quiet about something like that. But no, he's as far as I know, he's never been contacted by anybody in the government. Do you think that is happening? Do you do you buy the conspiracy that? The government is hiding Sasquatch. I don't think that they're hiding Sasquatch. I think they're very well aware that Sasquatch exists, and they're trying to study it much like they're trying to study the UFO phenomenon. Uh, and they're aware of the UFO phenomenon or the UAP phenomenon. They're aware that this creature does exist. And I think, that, to be honest with you, I think that the government studies what we do as researchers to try to learn as much as they can. Um, I know the military has had um, many um, individuals in the military, I should say, have claimed they've had experiences and sightings and encounters, and they've gone to their superior officers and told them. So I know there are people in the military that are familiar with it. The military as a whole, I don't know if they've been investigating. I don't know if there's any information in that aspect, but um, I, I'm almost positive that the government is aware, well aware of what's going on and uh, looking into the phenomenon and trying to get as much information as, as we are. Here's the thing. Sasquatch, as I've said a few times on this show, is, is dangerous for the environment. It really is. Not for itself, but for the fact that if we all of a sudden prove that this creature does exist, there are certain areas of the forest that are going to be locked down for years, absolutely years, decades, potentially, you know, from logging, from mining, from fishing, from tourism, from, yep. hu- from hunting. Okay. Because the minute you find a new creature, the government is going to come in. They're going to lock that area down for study 
because they need exactly. to learn the migratory patterns. They need to learn what it is feeding on. They need to yep. learn about the environment of this creature. I mean, they don't know. Is it migratory? Is it not? You know, when most animals head up to the tops of the mountains to cool off and get get away from the bugs during the during the summertime, you know, where do the Sasquatch go? When the when the deer and, and the and the prey type of animals are are, you know, going lower to try and stay warmer in the winter, where do the Sasquatch go? So this could become a real economic issue in the Absolutely. wilderness. Absolutely. Yeah. You're looking at interrupting the logging industry, the tourist industry, the outdoor recreation industry, because um, they're going to shut, usually sh you hit, hit the nail right on the head. They're going to shut that area down for habitat study. They want to learn about this animal and they want to understand it. So there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of acres, they'll probably shut down to try to study this animal. And that's going to kill the economy in that area. And the logging industry, I know, is a multi-billion-dollar industry. We rely on the log logs for paper for for so many things. And if the logging industry is interrupted, oh boy, man, would that cause a lot of problems in our, our economy as well as other governments' economies. All right, let, let's hit another story of some of these really cool reports that you have got. You said you haven't got a report since May because of lockdowns yeah. and everything like that. You know, what 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 really cool report can you share with our audience? Well, as you and I were talking off um, off air, um, I've been working with a, a gentleman. I don't want to give his name, and I won't say where in the state he's from, but he is a forestry service worker and a former game warden. And he's had multiple experiences with Sasquatch and a sighting. And um, he contacted me uh, this summer and invited me into his area to show me where one of his encounters happened. And I'll, I'll share, I'll share his encounter with, with you. I think it's pretty fascinating. Um, he and his girlfriend went to this area that, that uh, it's now a public area. The public goes in there and, and visits. It's a beautiful waterfall. It's a natural waterfall. And it's surrounded by very high wall uh, rocks, cliffs, um, rock outcroppings. And it's a, it's a very remote and secluded area. And it, he went, there one particular weekend a few years ago with his girlfriend to get away and camp there and, and do some remote camping and just get away from everybody. And while he was camping in this falls area, um, a thunderstorm rolled in through the valley and it began to rain pretty heavily, thunder and lightning. And um, they decided to take up refuge under one of the rock outcropping overhangs. And they put up a, a tarp to keep the, the, wind, the rain from blowing in on them. And uh, they were hunkered down in this overhang. And um, as they were down there, all of a sudden, this big tree came down right in front of the overhang opening where they were at. And it wasn't like the tree fell. It, they could actually see it come down above them, hit the ground, and bounce. And they thought that was really peculiar. Like, well, maybe a tree fell. Uh, maybe it's the angle it came down was a little odd. But just as it did, a few minutes later, a second tree fell, and then a third tree fell. And pretty soon, there were tree, trees after trees after trees being roots and all, as this person told me, coming down on top of them as they were hunkered down in this rock outcropping, like they weren't supposed to be where they were. And the girlfriend got so uh, scared and panicked. Uh, as soon as the rain let up, they packed their stuff, and they, they got out of there. 
And he said to me, he said, you know, I've been doing this now for a long, long time. I grew up in the woods. I've been a trapper. I've been a hunter, a fisherman, a hiker. I camped these woods. I've worked in the forest industry. I've been a game warden, a law enforcement officer. I know what animals are capable of doing. And whatever was up there on top of this rock where we were at was not your typical animal. It had to have been a Sasquatch. And I said, well, did you see anything? He said, nope. We didn't see anything. We didn't see the animal, but we knew what it was just by how aggressively these these trees were coming down on us. And he said it wasn't like the tree just fell. The roots were attached and all, like they were being ripped out of the ground and thrown down on them. And he went on to tell me some other stories that he had had. He had actually followed the trail of um, footprints through the forest like we had talked about. He'd find two or three and then nothing and then two or three more and then nothing. He and a friend followed these through the snow for a good ways and they disappeared. And then finally, his buddy had actually seen the creature before it ran off and they lost sight of it. Um, I've been working with him now for a couple of months, and he just recently sent me uh, some very intriguing game camera photos that he had set up in the area where he and his um, girlfriend were attacked a few years ago. And uh, they showed uh, something with very long hair. Um, It looks like to be the head and the shoulder of something that stepped into the the side view of the camera. You can't make out what it is and it won't prove it is a Sasquatch, but it's a very intriguing photo that he sent to me. And uh, he's continuing to tell me that there are people having sightings and experiences up in that area. It's still ongoing. So I'm going to be working with him. Um, The sighting that occurred in May um, hit a little closer to home because this falls into our research area. And this actually occurred again by two very credible eyewitnesses. Um, They were EMS ambulance driver. One was an ambulance driver. One was a a paramedic. And it was about 1230 at night. Uh, They were coming down uh, Country Road. Uh, There were some houses scattered on the road, but it's not like a very populated area. It sits at the the base of the mountain. And as they're driving along, they saw something standing on the left-hand side of the road, a very tall, dark figure. And within two to three steps, it crossed crossed the road in front of their ambulance and went up a very steep embankment without slowing down and disappeared from sight. And as they just were on top of that site where they crossed the road, they got a horrible stench that filled the ambulance. Like it smelled like a rotting carcass of some kind of animal. And as they passed the site, this is where it gets a little strange. um, All the electronics in the uh, ambulance started to malfunction. Um, Like they just all shut off. All the interior lights went off and then they came back on again. Um, I can vouch for one of the people. I won't say who one of the ambulance workers were because I know this person very well and I know the credibility of this person. And when this person contacted me and told me what they'd saw, this person doesn't lie. I've known her pretty much all my life. And when she she relayed this information to me, I knew she wasn't lying. Um, she sent me the Facebook message that night that they had their sighting shortly after 1230. And I didn't get it, unfortunately, until the next morning about 6 a.m. And when I got the message, I replied and I was like, Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you serious? You actually saw this? And she said, yes, and I can take you right to the spot where it happened. So my son and I jumped in the, the vehicle. They agreed to her husband and uh, the witness agreed to meet me. They took it right to the spot. And sure enough, right where this thing crossed the road on the embankment going up the hill were very large impressions going up the hill. And these weren't deer impressions. These were very large, probably 12 to 13 inch long, a good inch and a half deep in the ground impressions going up the, the coal slate embankment up into the forest. And uh, I was pretty convinced that that's what she claims what she saw is what she saw. And that area has had a long, long history of sightings. No so, kidding. Very, very intriguing uh, report and very credible. Wow. That, that, that is fantastic. I mean, the fact that, you know, I've heard stories like that around British Columbia here. Uh, one was where my former brother-in-law worked at a penitentiary up in the mountains. And... It was one night where all of a sudden these two people, a man and a woman, you know, they looked like death was upon their face, where they were literally banging at the doors to get into the prison. They were so scared. They had went for a picnic up on the mountain, like a, a nice, to watch the sunset and everything like that, and check out the stars. And on their way back down the mountain, on the logging road, they had this Sasquatch walk right across the path from them on the logging road and it stopped on the middle of the logging road and stared at them. They couldn't go backwards. They couldn't go forwards. They couldn't go around it because there was a, an embankment of 200 feet plus on the one side. They were stuck. They had to wait. And when they raced down that mountain and they pulled into the penitentiary and were banging on the doors to get in, that, that's not normal in this area because there's not a lot of people. And when they opened the doors to the prison to let these people in, like the lady was crying her eyes out. The man was hyperventilating. They were so scared by what they had encountered. My brother-in-law said he had never seen anything like that before. But this is the emotion that a lot of these experiencers have when all of a sudden they are startled by this giant. Yeah. It can be unnerving, for sure. For sure. Absolutely, especially if you're not looking for it. So right. when those type of encounters happen, I would assume that when you hear that story, you immediately try and get out to those areas. Oh, absolutely. The, the sooner the better, because the, the quicker you can get to that location, the better chance you have of finding evidence especially if it, the weather's going to change, you want to get there as quick as possible. Because if it's a storm front's coming through or rain or snow, you can lose evidence pretty quick. Or even human encroachment. You know, somebody driving down a road can go onto the bank of the road and destroy uh, a footprint that might be right on the, the berm of the road just by veering off the road a little bit. I mean, there's so many factors that can happen that can destroy evidence. you got to get there as quickly as you can to, to try to preserve that evidence, to collect it, document it, 
um, cast a footprint, whatever. And uh, yeah, time is of the essence. Um, if I had seen the message that night at, after 1230 that she had sent on Facebook, I would have been down there within probably 40 minutes. It's about a 40 minute drive, but I didn't see it until 630 the next morning. So, but we've had cases where we've gotten reports and we were there in a matter of an hour you know, at most to get to that sighting location. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big factor to get there as quick as you can it really is. But here's the other hard part about it too. Nature has a very, very quick way to get rid of its evidence. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what you're always battling. Oh, especially if you're, if there's been a sighting um, where a creature has gone into a field, um, trampled grass, um, bushes that have been trampled, they spring back up pretty quick. And uh, if you get there a couple days after a sighting, then chances are that grass is going to spring back up or the brush is going to you know, come back up again and, and you're not going to be able to see where that animal traveled. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, it, Mother Nature has a good way of uh, rebalancing itself. Absolutely. Do you think that's the reason why, you know, we haven't found a body because of Mother Nature? I think that's a big factor in it. Um, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. Uh, there are a variety of reasons why people say we haven't found a body. But I think, as as we know, when an animal dies in the wilderness, it's decayed. It's eaten by other animals. It's picked apart by rodents and and smaller predators and that body scattered so therefore the chances of finding a full intact body unless you're there right after it died is pretty slim and there, people also discuss the possibility of these creatures have a, a social structure where they actually bury their dead much like humans do and maybe that's why they're so reverent about cemeteries uh, we don't know but Very there's a true. couple of things that are thrown out there very true okay i want to ask a question from nicola here Nicola asked, Eric, do you think that there are certain parts of the country where Bigfoot is more violent? Oh, yeah, there are places in the country where this thing has been reported to be more violent, especially the south. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with uh, The Legend of Boggy Creek, the film that was put out in 1972. It's based on a location called Falk, Arkansas, where the residents in Falk, Arkansas and Jonesville, um, that area down there in, in the bayou, were having some pretty aggressive encounters with the creature, banging on mobile homes, killing animals, livestock, um, chasing people through the forest. I mean, there were some pretty aggressive encounters. And my thinking on this is just my personal opinion, but there's a couple of reasons why I think this animal may be more violent in some areas than than others. It's because um, they're running into situations where their food sources may be lower, uh, not as, as bountiful as other places, and they may be aggressive because they're looking for food and not finding it, and they see us as a competition for the food. Therefore, they're trying to get us out of their area. Um, and also, it may be because um, we're encroaching on their area. We're going in and building housing and developments and taking over lush areas of forest, and they don't like that. And they have to be more aggressive to keep us out. This is just my personal opinion. I think a lot of that has to do with human encroachment and food source. That would do it. That would do it for sure. Tony in the UK is asking, as we got about a minute here, what is your thoughts about these creatures being interdimensional? 
Well, Tony, that's a good question. Unfortunately, I, I can't answer if they are or not. Um, I think that perhaps there might be some kind of element to that. But until we under, understand or are able to rationalize or prove scientifically that it's physically possible for uh, a physical being to transfer from one dimension to another, we're not going to know. Um, I, like I mentioned earlier about the uh, young man who saw the creature disappear in front of him, some people theorize that that's an interdimensional being capable of moving from one dimension to another. There are more and more researchers getting on the bandwagon thinking possible um, interdimensionality is going on with these creatures, but we, we just simply don't know for sure, and I don't know. Um, I, I wish I had a, a better answer for you, but unfortunately, until we're able to come up with a better possible solution, we just don't know. Eric Altman, everybody. We're hanging out for another hour with Eric. But we're going to shift gears here because we're going to talk some paranormal for a bit. Eric lives in a real haunted house. And there's some strange stuff happening there. We'll get filled in along with your questions on Space Out Radio. All right, we're clear. Cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. Waylon, how you doing? 405er, nice to see you. Low pro, good to see you again. Excuse me. Apologize for the yawn. Before we get into the, uh, the paranormal stuff going on in my house, I got one really cool personal experience I'd love to share with you and your listeners, if you wouldn't mind. Let's do it. it happened in August of this past year. Hold on where, to that. Hold on to that. Save that for yeah. the radio side. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite compelling, and it was witnessed by about 10 people. Oh, wow. My, yeah, my research team, yeah. We, we think we interrupted a Bigfoot, uh, possible Bigfoot ambush. You know who just had that happen? is uh my youtube guy gary spikes jr hmm. him and his team wow they, they it, like this past weekend i don't know if i'm supposed to be talking about it or not but gary was blown away blown away yeah i it left me pretty shook up i mean i was freaking out <laughs> um i think my buddy jace jay bachochin from wisconsin was with us that weekend i think he still has the video that he filmed as it was happening. And my, my reaction was just, I was act, I was acting like an idiot running around the cars, just asking people if they had saw what I saw. And, and we'll talk about it when we come back from break. It's oh, yeah. pretty, pretty intense. Oh, for sure. I love stories like that. Love stories like that. And, and you know, these creatures are so smart. They really, really know what they're doing to push our buttons. Mm -hmm. They really do. And I am blown away every... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW group. 
Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every time I hear these types of stories, because, I mean, these creatures, dude, they're so big. If they really, really wanted to harm us, they would just walk in there and tear us apart. They know yeah. the forest. It's like their backyard. They mm-hmm. they could smell us because we smell much differently. They they could rip us apart, and they don't. They oh, tease easily. us. Yeah, they tease us. You know. Yeah, I, I personally I think that they are not afraid of us. They're more curious about us and why we do the things that we do, and we're, we're kind of like an entertainment to them when we're in the forest. You know, unless we shoot at them, they know we're not a threat. So they just they just kind of watch us, and then if they're caught, they take off and disappear. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I know. That's what I think anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh I'm not sure why it's been quiet this summer. It, we had the the two the two things that have happened um with the game award and I talked about my my uh the the EMS case that I discussed. I don't know. It's been quiet. It's been really, really quiet. And even talking with Stan, Stan hasn't had any Bigfoot sighting encounters. He said that some other cryptid sighting stuff happened in early, early, uh, early summer, but nothing since. It's weird. I hear you, man. I hear you. Shoot, we got to get into some Thunderbird, too. I got a couple Thunderbird stories that Stan passed on to me I can share with you. Yeah. Stan's got great hair. Fantastic hair. <laughs> I love Stan. He's, what, he's 70, 73 now, I think it is, and his hair's still perfect. <laughs> I know. You know, I, I'll bet you before, I, I think this is why the cryptids are so intimidated by him, because he goes in there with that perfectly combed hair, parted on the side, <laughs> And they're like, holy shit, this thing, this guy means business. Yeah. We, we better get the <laughs> hell out of here. Hi, Probably, John, yeah. hi John Swan. <laughs> hi, Troy SR71. How you doing? Terry Brown, good to see you. Latecomers coming in. Tom, how you doing? All right. We're caught up there. And we got about uh, 30 seconds. Big thank you to Catfish, Dirt Road Times 2, Jeremy, Tim, and Nicola for the amazing super chats. Hi, Noble Patrick. How you doing? Gorgeous Denise from Discovering Sasquatch and Cryptids. How are you? Uh, Big thank you to all the veterans uh, who are tuned into this show. We really appreciate you all listening here. You always have a safe home here at Spaced Out Radio. And to all our regulars who are hanging on out, We love you. You guys make this so much fun. So, so much fun. And we're going to continue on here in about four seconds. So sit back, relax. Here we go.
We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. We want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. We continue the monster talk tonight with Eric Altman. He is a researcher out of the beautiful state of Pennsylvania, learned under a couple of the big ones, Butch Wachowski and Stan Gordon. One with no hair, one with perfectly fine hair. And you know what? Hey, they would intimidate Sasquatch just looking at them. Just looking at them. But Eric's following in those footsteps the last 25-plus years. He's one of the best out there. Eric, welcome back. Thank you, Dave, for the kind words, and thanks for having me back. It's good to talk with you again. You have an incredible story that happened that you want to share. Yeah, before we get off of talking about Bigfoot, I thought I'd share a recent personal experience that uh, was possibly a Bigfoot ambush that we interrupted. And this happened in August, uh, beginning of August of last year, 2020. And uh, a group of researchers, part of my team, and I went out to a location that we've investigated many, many times. It's one of our uh, current research areas. We've had some interesting experiences out there. We've heard the howls and the screams and the wood knocks and found some tracks. And there have been multiple sightings in this area, so we know that there are creatures in the area. But this particular night in August of 2020, we uh, took a small caravan, about 10 people, back into the, uh, the forested area. And uh, we parked our vehicles on a gas well line, and we spread out the team throughout the forest around the area. And we were listening and uh, during the evening, uh, we were making uh, broadcasting calls and uh, making calls out to the forest. And we were getting some answers back um, closer towards the main roadway, which we came in on. And one of the research team members had a parabolic microphone. And he was hearing these high-pitched howls and screams every time we'd make a call. This animal, whatever it was, was re- responding to him. But after about uh, three or four hours out there in the forest, um, we knew it was going to start storming and raining. We could see the, the lightning flashing. So we decided it's probably best to pack up our gear and call it a night. There really wasn't anything else going on. So as we're driving out of our research area on a, a muddy um, service road, a very muddy service road, we're in a caravan of about four or five vehicles. I'm in the lead vehicle driving my, my truck, and I come up over the rise of this little little rise there. And as I start to come down, on my left, probably about 20 yards ahead of me, I see in this bush about, and I'm guessing at the time, about 8 to 10 feet off the ground, these two very large orange reflecting eyes looking back at the vehicle. And I was just kind of like, what in the heck is that? And as I'm just focusing on this, these eyes drop down to the left at a diagonal, like it was either hiding its head or pulling its head down at an angle, ducking out of sight. And I immediately stopped the truck and I shouted to the passengers in my truck, oh my God, did you just see that? And they weren't paying attention. They were looking at something else in the truck and they didn't see what I saw. So I stopped the vehicle, got out and began to run back 
car to car asking the other drivers and passengers if they had seen the eye shine reflecting in my high beams that I had seen. And unfortunately, no one else had seen it. So we're standing on the road and just in my high beams, we all two or three people notice three or four doe cross the road right behind the bush where I'd just seen the eye shine. They had run across the road. I had seen two, but they had said they thought three or possibly four across the bush and disappear into the thicket on the left side of the road. And this is immediately behind the bush where I saw the eye shine. And I'm questioning everybody, did you see anything? Did you hear anything? And my sister and brother-in-law were part of the research team that night. And as we're talking to each member, trying to get information, I'm trying to find out if what anybody saw anything. My sister says, I just heard a grunt. That's what he means. She goes, a very loud grunt come. And she pointed in the area where I saw the eye shine duck down behind the bush. So I get out my, I have a thermal uh, FLIR scout, little handheld monocular, and I'm looking and I'm scanning the force and I'm not seeing any heat signatures, but she's pointing right in the direction where I saw the, the shape move down in the bush. And I'm looking, I'm not seeing anything. She heard the grunt. So we're figuring, okay, maybe there's something over there still. So we all start moving quietly towards that bush. And my brother-in-law being the objective scientific minded um, of all of us. So let's take a measurement to see how high these eyes were that you saw. So he goes into the bush and he's looking around in the bush for footprints, for any kinds of hair, anything like that. And he's standing there and he's, he says, Hey, those deer that we saw across, they're standing, still standing there behind the bush. And I'm like, really? And one of the other team members, Tom steps in the bush and they're examining the bush and he sees the deer there too. And he's, he's looking down at these three deer. They're standing there looking in the direction to their right as if something's watching them then looking back at us. And as you know, if you're making a lot of noise in the forest or deer know you're there, they're going to run off. They're going to take off. But these deers were hunkered down. They were not moving. They were, it was almost like there was a predator there they knew was there and they knew we were there. So they kept looking to the right and looking to the left, looking to the right and looking to the left. And they wouldn't move. They were like that for 15 minutes. And finally, Tom says, hey, I think I just saw Eyeshine step out from behind that tree. And he points to a tree in the general direction where I saw the, the figure move down away from the bush. And again, I saw nothing with the thermal flitter monocular. We're looking around the forest. But to me, I, I was thinking, OK, well, I know I saw Eyeshine for sure. I definitely saw Eyeshine reflecting back at me. I saw something very tall duck down in this bush and move out of sight. The deer crossed the road behind the bush shortly after I had seen it, and now these deer are refusing to move. They're standing in the bush right behind where I'd seen this thing, and they're they're looking as if something as large as looking at them like a predator, looking at us, like almost using us as a buffer. Like they're afraid to move, thinking, okay, well, if we stay here with the humans, we're not going to get attacked by whatever is in the woods. And this went on for 15 minutes, and finally the deer kind of slowly slunk away into the darkness. They didn't run. They didn't bounce off real slowly like they were trying to hide from whatever was in the forest. Um, as I mentioned, it started the storm. That's why we had decided to pack up and leave. And it was raining at this point in time. So we weren't really able to hear any kind of movement in the forest or anything breaking branches, moving around. And uh, we were probably there a good 45 minutes examining this area. Finally, we, after the deer kind of moved on, we went down into the woods to try to look for any kind of sign, but the, the grass, the brush, everything was so high and so thick, we weren't able to move maneuver around very well. So we made a decision to drive down to the end of the road to the main road and hang a left. 
and follow that road in the possible direction where the deer were looking at something. They were seeing some kind of predator. So we thought maybe if we move down around the backside of it, we, we might be able to intercept it or see what they're looking at. And we parked on the side of the road. We got out and we're looking up into the forest in that general direction where the deer were looking. And sure enough, Tom and I again saw very bright eye shine reflecting back in our flashlight beams. It's almost as if the tree was centered right here and something stuck its head out and looked at us for just a second and then very slowly pulled its head back in again. And we never saw the eye shine again. So that really shook me up because I know what I saw. I know I saw these very large eyes reflecting back at my high beams in my truck. It went down at a 45 degree angle almost. I was like, it saw us and realized it was being seen and kind of, you know, like ducking out of sight. And my personal belief is that whatever was in that bush moved further back into the trees to try to hide. And it was trying to hide from us, but also trying to hide from the deer. And we think, just a speculation on my part, we think we might have interrupted a possible deer ambush from this Bigfoot, if it was a Bigfoot. It was hiding in this bush, waiting for those deer to come across the road. We interrupted it. It moved out of sight and moved back further into the tree line in the brush to hide, and it stayed hidden while the deer crossed and moved on and moved on to the direction they went. And that's what we, we believe that, I believe personally, that we I in, interrupted a, a, an ambush of some kind. Those deer were coming across the road just as when this creature was there or just before this creature was there and disappeared. And uh, we went back the next day. Uh, we did measurements on the bush where I saw the eye shine. Um, we met, we estimate that it was about nine and a half feet tall. Um, we took a measurement of the embankment that it went down. And sure enough, there was an embankment to the animal's right that it would have explained how the head kind of dropped down at an angle. And we measured from where we saw the eye shine on the other separate occasions. And it was about nine and a half feet high on the trees at where we saw the eye shine. So something was definitely there that we saw and experienced. I can't say it was a Bigfoot, but whatever it was, was about nine and a half feet tall, had very large amber orange eyes. And we think we interrupted some kind of ambush. That is incredible and scary at the same time. Talk about the adrenaline you were having through this situation being that close. Well, anybody that knows me knows that um, I'm I lean on the time the lean on the side of skepticism when it comes to reports. I try to remain as skeptic as possible and debunk as much as I can without ruling, you know, saying it was a Bigfoot or saying, yeah, this is what you saw. I always try to 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 weigh on that side of caution, if you will. And that night after seeing those those orange eyes, I was so pumped up. I was literally running back and forth from the cars, screaming at these people. Oh, my God, did you see what I saw? And on the videotape, when I watched it back, I looked like a maniac. <laughs> I was just so so hyped up and so energized. And um, one of the other team members says, well, he's really geeked out. I've never seen him that geeked out before over anything. And I was. I was so excited and just almost in a state of disbelief as to what I saw. I was trying to get confirmation. Please tell me somebody else saw the eyes that I saw. And I was, I, I was so pumped up. I don't think I slept at all that night when I got home. I, I was just <laughs> laying in bed all night trying to rationalize in my head, okay, what did I see? What makes sense that would be that tall? Um, I got to get back up there tomorrow when it's clear and it's bright outside so I can <laughs> take measurements and look for any evidence and footprints. And unfortunately, we found no footprints, but we did take measurements. But yeah, I, I was really 
high on adrenaline that night. Evan wants to know if humans are the only animal without eye shine. Um, I'm not a scientist, so I can't answer that. But I know a lot of wildlife do have eyes that reflect in um, light. Like if there's an ambient light source reflecting at them, deer, bear, dogs, cats, um, fox, coyote, they all have eye shine that reflects back. I don't know uh, if any animals have um, self-illuminescent eyes that some researchers speculate Bigfoot does. Um, I know we don't have the eye shine reflection, but I don't know of any animals that, that don't have that same quality. All right. I, I want to switch gears here for a couple seconds because I do want to talk some paranormal stuff with you. But before we do, I know you work closely with Stan Gordon. We've said that a few times during the show tonight. And he is a hero and mentor of yours. And he has passed over a couple of Thunderbird sightings that have happened recently. Fill us in here. Yeah, um, Stan and I communicate frequently on the phone. We talk probably once a week on the phone and we do a lot of cases together, investigating together. And uh, because of COVID, Stan has pretty much um, stayed in, indoors in his home and he hasn't gone out to investigate many things. He still talks to people on the phone and takes cases, but he contacted me about a couple of recent Thunderbird sightings. Two of them I have dates on. The third one, I don't have an exact date, but it's a pretty interesting Thunderbird encounter. Um, the first two took place in my hometown of Greensburg, Pennsylvania in uh, late May of 2021, May 22nd and May 23rd, actually. And uh, the first case was a woman sitting at a four-way intersection, a traffic light, waiting for the light to turn. And she happened to look up through her windshield and saw a very large feathered bird, black in color, that was flying probably, she said, a couple hundred feet in the air. But it was taking these long, um, swooping wing flaps, like um, very slow not like a typical bird would flap and it wasn't literally, it wasn't soaring like a, a bird might soar, but it was taking very slow, long wing flaps. And it was a very, very large bird. Um, she wasn't able to give the exact size of it, but it's larger than she said anything she'd ever seen. And it was flying in a southerly direction um, towards South Greensburg. She watched it for several minutes before it disappeared. And uh, she actually drew a sketch of what she saw and that you can check that out on Stan's website, which is stangordon.info. Uh, while Stan is currently typing up her report after he talked to her on the phone, he gets a phone call um, from a gentleman who had a Thunderbird sighting the day prior to her sighting in the same town of Greensburg, Pennsylvania. And he reported that he was walking his dog and uh, just happened to glance up and saw a featherless bird, a bird that was covered in like a black reptilian membrane type skin. He almost said it looked like a, a, pterodon, a pterodon or a pterodactyl, if you will. It had a long protruding horn on the front of its head, uh, leathery membrane-like skin. And he watched it, it flew across the sky and flapping its wings, again, very slow and very deliberately before it disappeared from sight. And those happened, again, May 22nd and May 23rd of 2021. Uh, the third sighting that I was in, uh, contacted about from Stan uh, took place on the eastern side of the state over near Philadelphia. And a woman uh, pulled up in front of the doctor's office. She was going in for an appointment. And as she parked the vehicle and got out of the vehicle, she saw a very large black bird 
sitting up on a power line uh, at the other side of the parking lot. It was this is something she said she'd never seen a bird this size before. It was huge. And um, as she started walking across the power of the, the parking lot, this bird swept off the top of the power line and swooped down at her like it was attacking her, like it was flying right at her. And she got so terrified and frightened, she literally ran into the doctor's office and shut the door thinking the thing was going to swoop down and carry her off. And this thing last second flew off and she never saw it again. But this is the first encounter that I'm aware of in a long time that some, one of these bird-like things, giant bird-like things actually swooped down and tried to attack somebody or, or go after somebody. And that happened in July of this year. This is the one creature, man, that I have such a tough, tough time thinking is out there because you know what the one thing birds do is they crap a lot. Mm -hmm. And we've never seen a house painted. We've never seen a car painted, a road painted, trees painted by bird scat. All right? And a bird of that size is going to have one giant deuce. I, I don't mean to take this down a a very sick road here or anything, but I am being fully serious here, Eric. And this is the reason why... Look, I believe in a lot of woo, okay? I really do. But seeing a 20 to 40 foot bird up in the sky flying around, when that thing dumps, it's going to dump. We're not seeing... You know, sharks being pulled out of the water and feeding off this, or horses or cattle, because they're not going after rabbits. They're not going after chickens. You know what I'm saying? They're going after some pretty big food. People, maybe. And we're not seeing that. This is why I have such... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's a tough time in believing in the Thunderbird, but I do have a question regarding it. Could these people who are sighting these birds, maybe, just maybe, getting a look into a different time era in the sky? I've often wondered that myself, and that, that's a great possibility. That maybe they're seeing a time slip where it is a, a true actual pterodactyl that they're seeing, but it's not in our time. It, it somehow slipped from its time into our time and then back into its time again. I, I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not a scientist, but that's, that's a possibility I've thrown around in my head um, and thought maybe that's what they're seeing is, is a time slip where it's a pterodactyl they're truly seeing, but it's 
not of our time. And it's some kind of time slip or even maybe an interdimensional animal as well. Who knows? Do you believe in this one? I'm a little more skeptical on this one um, simply because it's hard to gauge the size of a bird when it's in the air because you have nothing to, to put it next to scale wise. You, you can't, you're guessing. And I've personally seen heron in flight, large owls in flight, and they can look pretty. I, I saw a turkey buzzard feeding off of a dead um, groundhog in the middle of the road. And when it took off, it was huge, Dave. I mean, I was in my truck and I thought, oh my dear God, that thing is enormous. And maybe that's what they're seeing is just common birds that they're misidentifying. They just see it and through a windshield or walking their dog or whatever, and they mistake how how big it truly is. That's just my take on it. But people are seeing something, they're reporting it, and it's not just a phenomenon that happens in Pennsylvania. It happens globally. People see it all over the world. Mm-hmm. I just, I have a tough time in this one, and it's mainly because yeah. of the feces. It really that makes sense. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And and you know you know what size nest that would have to have? That's a big bird. That's yeah. A, that, yeah. You know that's a massive <laughs> nest. And who knows if if even a even if uh, an eighty to a hundred foot fir tree could hold that? It would have to be on a rock cliff somewhere because of the sheer weight. Number one, but number two, I just. I'm yeah, biting it's, my it's tongue. It's hard to on comprehend. It really is hard to comprehend I, a bird of that size. I have more of a of, of an easier time believing that there is some sort of pterodactyl type creature still flying around than a twenty to forty foot thunderbird. A forty foot thunderbird, technically speaking, would be picked up on radar. Good point. Yeah. It's baffling for sure. And and people are seeing something, they're reporting what they're seeing, and they're very credible people that are reporting it, just like with Bigfoot. Um, the people that are seeing it, and unfortunately, we're no further on solving the mystery than we are with any of the other cryptids. Oh, I, uh, dude, I hear you. I completely hear you. And I am, uh, I am still blown away by it. Still blown yeah. away by it, you know? And I hope that one day here, dude, one day that I could be proven wrong, because this is one of those things, man, that I want to believe in. I totally want to believe in. But I just have a, a tough time doing so with this one. You know, and, and but that's the skeptical mind you have to keep in this, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to you have to remain skeptic and, and try to to rule out all possibilities you have to i mean i, I would tell people be open-minded but be objective you know you have to rule out all possibilities and you can't just believe everything you're told um, there are a lot of weird things going on in this world that we don't know we don't understand and we can't explain but there are things that have rational explanations to them and scientific natural ex explanations and i think it's best to try to resolve them by using that first before making any, any um, speculation or assumptions. Very true. Very true. we got about a minute to go here, Eric. Are there, quickly, are there any other cryptids that you have a tough time believing in? The dog man. 
Yeah, I, I really have a hard time believing in the dog, man. And it's not because of the witnesses. It's just the, the physical nature of that animal. Dogs have been able to stand up on their hind legs and walk short distances. But this thing, it just baffles me how this thing could could do what it does. And, and I just I have a really difficult time rationalizing it. It makes no sense to me. Much like the, the Thunderbird does to you. I, I just I can't understand it. Well, you know what? You can search for Thunderbird. <laughs> I'll search for Dogman. We'll Fair enough. Ca- we'll call it even. And then because we're calling it even, we'll just say, screw the cryptids for the rest of the night. Let's get into some <laughs> paranormal stories because your house is really haunted. And we it have is. to and we have to figure out what is going on when we come back. Eric Altman on Space Down Radio tonight. We have him for another half an hour. Then at the bottom of hour number three, Fedora John, John Hudson will bring the unbiased UFO report, the newswire, and the thought of the day. A jam-packed hour three of Space Down Radio coming up next. All right, my friend. Excellent. It's been a good this show. It's fun tonight. I'm having a good time. I'm glad. That's kind of what it's all about, man. Yeah. It's always fun talking cryptids, cryptids with you. It's because I'm in love with them, man. I want <laughs> to marry them. No, I'm teasing on that part. But uh, <laughs> them damn well, With thunder- the beards, we kind of look like cryptids ourselves, huh? True. <laughs> Very true. But you know it's it's a damn uh, it's a damn Thunderbird man. That's the one that throws the wrench into me every time. I can understand. I can understand. I think those are more cases of misidentifications. But I wasn't there. I, I didn't see what they saw, and a lot of the descriptions they give are really odd. So who knows? Yeah. Yet here I am, still believing in pterodactyls. What an idiot. <laughs> what a complete idiot I am. But that's okay. That's okay. Man. There's some weird, weird stuff going on in the world. Weird, weird stuff. True. Very true. Let me uh, just get my news ready here. <laughs> That's a great message from Sovereign Cosmic Wildman. What do you say? It says at space.radio, trust us, Thunderbird Pterodactyl is real AF. Explanation point, explanation point, explanation point. That's almost as polite as he's ever been. Yeah, we had a, a really weird, something weird happen in the house yesterday afternoon. That Whatever's in this house likes to poke its head or, or rear its head every so often. It's not like it was when we first moved in, but every so often it likes to let us know it's still around and still doing stuff. And it did yesterday. I'll tell you about that. That's pretty freaky. 
That's kind of gross. Don't like that. Let's move that there. Give me two seconds. Your son's a codaholic. Holy cow. Yeah, he's still still working on it. He builds websites. He he built a website for me that I have I have to start using, but uh he builds websites for people. Um he sets them up with uh private networks, VPNs, um different types of security things. He's it's all self-taught too. He's never taken classes on it. It's all self-taught. Good for him. Google's your friend. <laughs> he just said Google's your friend. <laughs> Not mine. Not mine. All right, we've got about uh, just over 90 seconds here. All right. Well, tonight really flew by fast. Oh, my goodness. Did it ever. Did wow. it ever. Thanks, Jim. We'll get you a hypnotist here soon. we got to hear all about your Chad Smith experiences. <laughs> We've got just over a minute here. Okay. All right, I want to say a big thank you to Chad, to Patrick, Space Cow, Catfish, uh, Dirt Road Times 2, Jeremy, Double Tim, and Nicola for the amazing super chats tonight. Really appreciate your love and support of Spaced Out Radio that way. And um, by the way, thank you, Brian Beck. The only thing going for this show is John Hudson. Appreciate that. Thanks for the love. Really appreciate that. That That's a confidence builder right there, man. Confidence builder right there. Here we go, everyone, with hour three. I, 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 I. 
Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth, thank you to everyone tuning us in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on TalkStream Live, Revolution Radio, and KPNL. All of our archives for free at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Abiectic. Abiectic is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. For the final time tonight, we bring in Eric Altman. We've been talking monsters all night long, but we're going to shift gears here and go into the paranormal because Eric's house is haunted. And it is very, very active from what he is going to tell us here momentarily. Eric, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. I got to ask you, man. You know, how long have you been in that haunted house? We moved in in June of 2017. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm a paranormal enthusiast. Um, I've, I've watched the shows. I've read the books. I'm, I'm not a paranormal investigator. So I've, I've done a few. I've been invited because of my um, stat, status as a Bigfoot researcher, a cryptid researcher. When I go to events, I'm invited on these ghost hunts. And I've gone to a few of them. So... In the back of my mind, I always thought, maybe there's a possibility of ghosts. Maybe maybe they're real. Maybe they do exist. I've never had any real experiences until we moved into our house. And it was kind of like a baptism by fire, if you will. Um, I didn't, when we first looked at the house, my wife and I, we, it, it's a split-level ranch. We have a finished basement, which I'm in right now. You can see the, the couch I'm on and the, the walls and stuff. I have Bigfoot artwork on the back walls. Uh, we moved in. It was. It seemed like a normal house. It didn't have a foreboding feeling to it. Nothing odd. Nothing unusual. We walked room to room. We fell in love with it. We thought it was the perfect house for us to spend our last 20, 30 years together, retire, and live out the rest of our lives together. Well, that all changed about the first week we moved in. Um, we had moved all our boxes in, and they were filled with different things for each room, and we had put different boxes in the bedrooms and I was in the kitchen actually when the first occurrence happened and I was unloading dishes and silverware and um, I had heard a crash in one of the back bedrooms. Now we have cats and we had a dog at that time. We had one dog and I figured, well, maybe it was just one of the animals knocked over a box and it was a pretty loud crash. So I got up and I walked back to the back bedroom and looked and all the boxes were up against the wall. Nothing had been touched. Nothing was pushed over. There was nothing on the floor. I walked in the other bedroom. Everything was still where it should be. There was nothing that really looked out of place. So I really didn't pay much attention to it, thinking maybe it was one of the animals, and I went back to doing my own thing. Um, a couple nights later was the first real weird experience that really made me start thinking there was something strange going on in the house. Um, 
my wife and I are in bed. It's about three o'clock in the morning. I wake up and I hear a knocking on the wall. And I thought I was dreaming at first when I first woke up and I sat up in bed and I listened and nothing happened. And I just laid down and went, started to go back to sleep again. And sure enough, there were three distinct knocks coming to the wall right next to my bed on the right-hand side. And I sat up again thinking, all right, what, what the heck was that? And I woke my wife and asked her if she heard it. and She was sleeping. She didn't hear it. So I laid there for a while. And every so often, I'd hear a knock or two knocks or three knocks coming from the bedroom. So I got to the point where I was like, I've had enough. I got up and started looking around the room, seeing if I could figure out where these knockings were coming from, but I couldn't find a source. So after about an hour, hour and a half, I decided I'm going back to bed and the knocking stopped and I went back to sleep. Um, a few nights later, the same thing happened again. The knocking on the walls started and they started this time in the hallway rather than in our bedroom. And it woke me up and at first I thought, well, maybe I'm just dreaming this. This isn't really happening. But as I lay there in bed, I started hearing the knockings in the hallway again. And this began to become almost a nightly, every other night occurrence where we were hearing knocking on the wall. And a couple of times the knocking would actually wake my dog up and he would start to bark. And um, one of the times I woke my wife up and she was laying there in bed with me and she heard the knocking. So we were wondering, okay, maybe there's an animal in the wall or there's some kind, something causing the wall to knock some kind of natural source we weren't really sure about it but that's where it started um, a few weeks later um, dealing with the knocking almost on a nightly basis it, it began to become annoying because it was keeping me awake most nights and the one night i remember distinctly um and as we talked about my son you hear him on his keyboard down here he likes to spend time in the basement on his computer and um i had heard his bedroom door open and his bedroom door shut, and it woke me up. And I heard footsteps go down the hallway towards the, the, the flight of steps to come down the basement. And I yelled out, Josh, is that you? And I got no answer. And I said, Josh, and still no answer. But I could hear the footsteps going down the steps to the first landing where our front door is, down the second flight of steps into the finished basement. And I heard the garage door open and the garage door shut. So I jumped out of bed and thought, well, if that's not Josh, I'm going to go find out what the hell is going on. Josh is in his bed sound asleep. That wasn't him. So I came down the hall, and I'm still calling out for Josh, thinking somebody's in the house. And I get down the first flight of steps to the landing, go down the second flight of steps. The basement lights are out. There's no noise, nothing going on. I walk into the garage. The garage is completely dark. There's nothing in the garage, nobody in the garage. I had the door shut behind me thinking, okay, if there's somebody in here, I'm not letting them out. And there's nobody in the garage. I turned the lights on. I looked everywhere. There's nothing. So I turn around to go back into the finished basement, and all the lights are on in the finished basement that I did not turn on when I went down there. So I'm standing there completely puzzled, like, what in the world is going on here? I know I heard my son's door open and shut. I heard the footfalls go down the hallway, down the steps, into the basement, and from the basement into the garage. So I went upstairs and I told my wife about it and she's like, I don't know, maybe you just dreamt it. And I was like, no, I heard it. And the lights were on in the basement when I came back into the basement and they weren't there. From there, things began to escalate in the form of televisions turning on by themselves where there was nobody touching a remote control and no one near remote control. No, the animals were near remote controls. They'd shut on, they'd turn on, they'd be on for a few minutes and they'd shut off. 
I tried to rule that out as maybe someone having the same frequency of a remote control, maybe a neighbor or something doing that. But even taking batteries out of our remote control, that didn't happen. And this was happening all times of the day and night when you would think there'd be a rational explanation. You know, if, if somebody was flipping channels with a remote, it should happen all the time, but it wasn't. So these little things were starting to build up and starting to really escalate. And I started thinking there's something really going on in the house. We were still hearing the knocking. We were hearing footsteps, um, doors opening and shutting. Um, it got to the point where um, we were hearing people talking in the house, but we couldn't understand what was being said. Um, my son, Josh, was sitting out on the back patio. We have a patio swing, and I was in the finished basement, and I swear I heard him in the garage scream out like he was in pain, like he had gotten hurt. I rushed into the garage to look. He's not in the garage. I'm calling out for him thinking he's in the house and he got hurt. He didn't answer. So I walked out in the back patio and sure enough, he's sitting on the back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Patio swing. And I asked him, was that you? And he said, no, that wasn't him. And this stuff it's still escalates. It's still going on. We had a paranormal team come in after about three months of this going on. And they sat in our finished basement and... Um, they had an EMF detector, a K2 meter, um, some REM pods and stuff scattered throughout the room. And we were sitting, I was sitting on the couch I'm sitting on now. They were sitting on the left of me over here. There was the couch and the REM pods, the EMF, everything was going off. And we couldn't figure out why, because we had nothing turned on and it shouldn't be affecting this equipment. And I jokingly said, I said, well, it's probably not going to knock now because it, you're here and it doesn't want to be known. So I said out loud, I said, if there's somebody in our basement, knock for me. And no sooner did I say knock for me, there was a knock right behind the paranormal investigator on the wall. He was sitting on the couch and he kind of looked in amazement. This stuff went on and on and it began to build um, until we had probably one of the strangest things. One of the strangest things happened in the house. Um, this was in October of 2019, about 2.30 in the morning. Um, we hear this huge crash in our kitchen and my wife got up and we thought maybe an animal knocks dishes off the countertop or one of our cats knocks something down. And she walked into the kitchen and I hear her say, holy beep. And I said, what? She goes, I, I, I don't know what to say. Holy beep. And my son got up and went into the kitchen and his response was the same thing. Holy beep. So I got up and I had to walk down to the kitchen to find out. When I walked in the kitchen, I was just shocked. One of the kitchen counters uh, cabinets that was securely attached to the wall had been ripped off of the wall and thrown into the middle of the kitchen floor and destroyed. 
there was um, wasn't anything heavy in the cabinet to cause it to fall. There were a couple of Christmas dishes, a couple of cans of cat food, and I think maybe a couple boxes of um, some Ziploc baggies, and that's it. But yet this cabinet was pulled off and dropped in the middle of the floor about six and a half to eight feet away from the wall. The cabinet, um, the cabinet uh, top wasn't scratched. Like it didn't fall directly down. It came out. There was no scuff marks on the wall. And the strangest thing about it is it was the, the particle board on the back of the cabinet was attached to the cabinet, was still there, but all the staples it was pulled off of were sticking straight out instead of bent down like if it would have fallen down if that makes any sense um this cabinet was pulled off the wall and dropped in the middle of the floor i have videos i have pictures of the it's a may i'll have to send them to you privately um we're off there so you can see the damage but it, it was amazing it took us almost an hour and a half to get everything cleaned up with all the particle board and everything from the cabinet um i was pushed down the steps by something um, in 2018, I had surgery done on my shoulder the first time and we had an issue in our basement with plumbing. We were hearing, um, water in the pipes and I figured, well, maybe that was the knocking going on that we were hearing the plumbing was knocking. So we had a plumber come to the house and, and he checked everything. And just as I was about to go down the steps to let him in the front door, I took my first step down the steps and had an elbow right in the middle of my back, push me down the flight of steps. And I reached out, and I just had surgery two months prior. I reached out with my arm to grab this, the um, railing to, to prevent myself from falling head first, and I hyperextended my shoulder for the second surgery, which I just had now. Uh, my wife was pushed down the steps, and it caused an ACL tear, and she had just had to have um, a full knee replacement done because of the fall that she took down the steps. Uh, my son has witnessed... Um, Lights going on and off, doors shutting. He's at times he said he's been creeped out to be down here in the basement by himself, yet he still comes down. Um, we've had five paranormal investigation teams come over and two psychic mediums in the house. And we had a blessing done in the house about six months ago, maybe eight months ago, and everything calmed down. Um, all the activity pretty much came to an end finally. But every so often, this whatever it is in the house starts to rear its head and it did yesterday afternoon um my wife and i were in the living room watching tv um probably mid-afternoon about two o'clock and we heard this very loud crash happen behind me and i got up to see what the crash was thinking again it was one of our animals maybe knock something down and we have right inside our front door where the landing is uh, steps i had um installed when we first moved in shelving units to hang our coats and keys and stuff like that They're very secure um very well hung onto the walls one of them was pulled off the wall while the anchors and the screws and everything else was left intact in the wall and there was very little on that shelf for it to fall the other one was still intact right next to it it made no sense why it fell but it fell and again, these things are starting to amp up again, and it seems like it does it in like the fall, September, October, November is when we get the most activity in the house. Um, we have no explanation as to what's causing the haunting. Um, I've done research myself on the house, I'm trying to find out if anybody has passed away on the house. Uh, there was one owner, the house was built in 1973, and the, the original owners owned the house from when it was built 
until they moved out and we moved in. Um, as far as we know, no one is, as far as I could find out and talking to the previous owners, no one died in the house. Um, the one psychic medium that came in here said that someone in the neighborhood committed suicide and their spirit is actually moving through our house and causing the problems, but we've never seen an apparition. Um, so we don't know if it's a male or female ghost. We've heard voices. We can't decipher what they're saying. As I mentioned, we heard yelling in the garage, somebody getting hurt. Thought it was my son, but it wasn't. Um, it's just, it's the strangest phenomenon. And as again, we've had five or six paranormal teams in here. They have all had different experiences, whether they, it's the hearing the knocking, having the EMF meters go off, um, having the uh, EVPs they've captured. They've captured a female voice saying her name was Ashley and that she hated me, <laughs> which I don't know any Ashleys and don't have a reason why somebody would hate me, but that's what they captured. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting experience. I mean, I thought Bigfoot was intense. What we've experienced in the last four and a half years living in this house has been pretty intense. Why haven't you burned your house down yet? <laughs> Why are you still there? Why haven't you moved? Why are you being just like the people on every horror film before the murders start? That That's a good question. Um, I think we, we've got too much invested in the house to move. Um, that and the fact that I don't feel afraid in my house. I'm not scared or terrified by what's here. More of like perplexed and, and trying to figure out what's here. Um, I've never felt, um, other than the time of being pushed down the steps, um, I've never felt threatened or like something malevolent was here. I think um, whatever's here is, is more mischievous and more annoying than anything else. Um, my wife had a pretty harrowing experience down here in the basement. I'll share with you real quick because I know we're running out of time. Um, she was laying on the couch on the far left wall uh, to my left. And she just laid down, put a blanket on her and thought, it's pretty cold in here in the basement. And on the right wall, we have a electric fireplace. It's a gas fireplace, but it has an electric starter. You have to click the switch on to kick on the gas fireplace. And she's thinking to herself, man, is it cold down here? It's freezing. And not even two or three minutes after she's thinking that, the fireplace, she hears the click of the little remote, and the fireplace kicks on by itself. And you have to literally reach into the fireplace and click that remote to get it to turn on. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if it's becoming situations where the fireplace is turning on, that could prove to be dangerous. If we're not home and that happens, that could start a fire in the house if there's something close to that fireplace. But uh, we've seen some really bizarre reactions from our animals. We have uh, dogs and we have cats. Our one dog barks at nothing. He'll just look, at, look down the hall and bark and growl and his hackles will go up. And he's seeing something. What he's seeing, we don't know. But he, he barks for 20, 30 minutes. And then finally, he'll just go back to sleep or go lay down like nothing's there. It, it's some of the strangest stuff. And, and again, I was a paranormal enthusiast. Um, I watched the shows. I read the books. I thought, man, maybe there could be something out there. I was never really convinced until I moved into this house. And now I'm convinced there is an afterlife or there is something going on that's not of the normal world here in this house. What makes you stay? 
I realize, look, it's hard to, it's it's expensive to move, especially when you've made a foundation and moving sucks. Let's just be honest. But have you have you tried to to work with this ghost, talk with this ghost, to try and come up with some uh, medium of success on living conditions? Um, I was told by one of the paranormal investigative teams to tell this spirit that this is our house. We own it. It does not belong here. Um, and that it can't, can't coexist with us to basically tell it who's boss. And this is our house. We own it. It, it. If it wants to stay here, it's welcome to stay here, but don't do anything to hurt our family. Otherwise get out and it's not welcome here. Um, We've had the blessing done about six, eight months ago, and things really quieted down after that. But we started having some things start amping up again. Um, so maybe it's the blessing's not working anymore. I don't know. Have um, you offered? Why, have you offered whiskey, beer, or tobacco, or a combination? I have not, but that's not a bad idea. My my problem is the beer and whiskey may get drunk, not by the ghost. So. As you look to the left where your son's back is towards you. <laughs> I know, I, and I know that we had a very harassing ghost at our museum that was starting to attack people. It attacked me. It attacked my buddy Mark. And when we sat down and talked to it, we literally got from a couple of different intuitives, you know what, he wants a peace offering. Of a, he wants every time you guys come in here to do the tour, he wants a shot of whiskey and he wants a cigarette. So every time in his area, we put that shot of whiskey and and a cigarette up there for him. So it may be yeah. something that works. It may be. Um, one of your former guests on this show, Dave Spinks, was one of yes. the paranormal investigators who came to my house. He's a good friend of mine. Yes, and he good guy. and. Uh, he brought a psychic meeting with him and she's the one that did the blessing on the house for us. And since that time, it's been relatively quiet until just recently with the, the amping up of stuff. But if it becomes an issue where it's, it's hurting people again, pushing people down the steps, like myself, my wife, if it starts physically doing stuff, then we're going to have to take more drastic measures, but it's not scaring us. I don't feel threatened or, or I don't feel, feel like there's anything malevolent more just like a mischievous spirit. If there is a spirit here, I don't know what it is, but whatever's here, it gets annoying and it can be a little frustrating trying to figure out where it is and what, what it, why it's causing what it's causing. Hmm. We have one minute left, Eric. One minute. Do me a favor. Tell everybody where they can find your research. I, I have a couple of websites that they're welcome to visit. Uh, my personal website is ericaltman.net. And I have um, information about some of the cases I've investigated over the years, photos, videos, um, other podcasts that I've done, stuff like that. And the group that I run, the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society, pabigfoot.com, uh, we have a sightings database of all the, the cases we've investigated over the past 20-plus years um, from all over the state. And you can check that out, photos, videos, all kinds of great information. If you've had a sighting in Pennsylvania or the East Coast and would like to report it, we certainly welcome uh, you to do so. PABigfoot.com is the website there. And I'm on social media, Facebook, and you're certainly welcome to drop me a note and say hello. Awesome, my friend. What a great show. It was so fun to have you back on the show with us, my friend. 
really, really fun time talking Sasquatch with you, talking about your hauntings. Yeah, man, whiskey and cigarettes. They may not be healthy for the humans, but the ghosts completely love Merrick Altman, everybody. We love Eric around here. He's such a good dude. Coming up next, Fedora John brings the UFO report. We got the news wire and the thought of the day. Stay tuned. Space Out Radio continues right after this. Great job, Eric. Thanks, sir. That was fun, man. Yeah, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. It went by so quick, though. Wow. Way too fast. Yeah. Way too fast. No, man, I uh, absolutely love you, man, and I appreciate you coming on in. And uh, you're one of the good dudes to chat with about this stuff because you really know your stuff and you come by it honestly. I try. I try. And I try to remain humble about it, too. Awesome. Awesome. I'm wondering where John is, and I haven't invited him in yet. That (laughs) might be something that I might want to do. There we go. Well, I'll let you get some sleep. And All right. Good luck with your ghost, brother. Yeah, if you want to see those pictures, I'll send the, send the pictures them to of the me. cabinet. Yeah, the, the cabinet on the floor. You'd be amazed to see. Oh, yeah. It's, just, I, it's baffling. I want to see that stuff, man. Yeah, Eric, I'll send you the pictures. EricAltman.net. Yep. EricAltman.net. A-L-T-M-A-N.net. You got it. All right, buddy. We'll let you go. All right, Dave. Have a good night, Take bud. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. He seriously is one of the good guys in this field, man. I didn't say Siri. I said seriously. Really is one of the good guys. There he is, Stetson John, otherwise known as Fedora John. How you doing, my friend? I'm all right. How about you? Uh, a little frazzled. I was actually a little worried I wasn't going to be able to make it. Uh, my uh, All the plumbing in my house backed up in the last half an hour. Oh, no. You got it clear? Yeah. What? Well, no, I still got to figure it out. It's just it's just funny because it's, when we bought the house for like the first five years we were in, it happened all the time. And, uh, and then we had all the plumbing redone, everything in lines, outlines, everything. And so for like six years, I haven't had to deal with any plumbing issues at all. And I've totally forgotten like what to do and like, <laughs> handle it. and it's like, Oh crap, now I gotta do this and this and this and this and this. And so, you know, part of owning a house. Yep. Yep. And plumbing sucks. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's actually, I don't know. It, to me, there, there's an aspect of it that's really interesting. You know, it's it's really interesting how how the vacuum aspect of it works and how, you know, I don't know, just to me, like a lot of things happening in plumbing that I don't expect. And when anything I run into anything that isn't predictable, I get interested, you know, because I want to figure it out, you know. Well, I know you have one listener who is very excited to have you here. Brian Beck is his name because he says you're the only good part of this show. I heard that. I heard that. It yeah. was great because I, I, I heard that right as I was like sopping up water. And so I was like, oh, this is nice. You know, mm-hmm. This is actually a nice thing to hear while I'm, while I'm you know, doing Look at this. you. Look at you. 
Well, you know, I mean, it only cost me 10 bucks. So luckily oh, he was cheap. Well. You know, we, we just hope that, you know, on his, that he goes over to his channel and, you know, gets his whopping 17 listeners and subscribers to stay away from us. There you go. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. Cause we're just so shitty every Monday. Wednesday. So that Friday. so Eric was Eric was fun, man. Oh, dude, he's a great guy and so knowledgeable and so accommodating and so practical about it. You know, he's yeah. got a really pragmatic approach to all of it. I was yeah. very impressed. Yeah, he uh, he is one of the good dudes in this in this field, and uh, we're proud that he's uh, you know a, one of a long list of really good cryptid guys that we have uh, gained trust with on this show. And, uh, um, you know, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of him. He's just, yeah, he's I, just a really nice guy. I must admit, I, I, I hope at some point some um, psychology student um, or maybe anthropology student takes a look at, at what type of researchers each vertical of this uh of this world uh, uh, raises up like what kind of people come out of Bigfoot research? What kind of people come out of, of this research and see like, what are those differences? Cause there's, there's cultural aspects to each group that really kind of define. And I, I'm finding that some of the people that come out of, of the, of the Bigfoot cryptid side are really top notch folks. Oh, yeah. I mean, really impressive people. Okay. We got to 20 seconds here. want to say a big thank you to Chad, Patrick, space cow, catfish, uh, Jeremy, Dirt Road Times 2, Double Tim, and Nicola for the amazing super chats tonight. Hi, ufologist. How you doing? Good to see you here. Uh, John, on your list, we're going backwards tonight. Yep, yep. Okay. I saw, I saw as, as you wish, my friend. All right, buddy. We're going to get going right now. Rounded third, we're heading for home tonight on Space Down Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and on Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's time, once again, where we get to the Unbiased UFO Report. Fedora John Hudson, our man behind the UFO world, breaks us down on a bunch of new UFO news that seems to be coming out daily over the last number of months. And John tonight is starting off with a report out of Canada. Vice writer Daniel Otis has a very unique perspective on Chris Rutkowski, Canada's prominent ufologist, coming out. John, fill us in here. Honestly, Dave, I, I don't, I don't know 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You have to feel if I should be feeling pity for you or whether I should be angry for you or like I'm not I'm not really sure how to react to this because this article. I mean, first off, uh, he seems like a nice gentleman and uh, I have no doubt, you know, he's I don't know. him. He's probably a very skilled researcher. I'm not saying that he isn't capable of of doing the job that he's doing. But um, what it appears to state is that, um, that if you look at kind of the NORAD uh, agreement between Canada and, and the U.S., that there's information that filters out of that of that uh, partnership. And some of it filters to the Americans and some of it filters to the Canadians. And on the American side, uh, it goes to this large apparatus of, of alphabet agencies that do analysis on it. And in Canada, the government appeared to have been like, Eh, nah, we don't need this. And they gave it to this civilian researcher and made him the man. And that's pretty bizarre. I'll tell you what I don't like about it. Chris Rakowski is a very good researcher. But well, I know but I know a lot of researchers in Canada who have had FOIA requests denied regarding UFO information. And yet somehow Rutkowski is able to get them. And then we find out that the Department of National Defense in Canada has been graciously turning over these reports. Now, we don't know how many reports, John, that the government is holding on to that they aren't giving him, but they're giving him a significant amount here. Oh, no, they, they appear to have been like, oh, 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 you want to do that? Oh, please, here, take it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, and the one thing that wasn't clear to me reading the article, and you may know more than I do, is that it, I didn't get the impression that he um, that he necessarily had a a really, um, you know, a, a, a beautifully symmetric relationship with them where, you know, he, he was asking for as much as, as they were tossing him sort of a thing. I got the impression more that he was a dumping ground, um, that they just, you know, when reports came in, when, when anything came in, they just didn't want to deal with, they're like, oh, hey, send it to Chris. And, uh, and so, so it's not clear to me whether his, uh, what, what do you call for? Do you, do you have FOIA? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you call it FOIA? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so I don't know if he's had, it's not, wasn't clear to me whether he specifically had success generating his own FOIAs and, and getting answers for those. But what was clear to me is, is, you know, very much like for a while, the, the um, uh, FAA and um, I believe someone else had Bigelow's phone number in their, in their, uh, in their manual saying, Hey, if you see something, don't say something, but if you have to say something, call Bigelow, right? To me, it's like this guy is playing Bigelow's role. Without the money. <laughs> Without the money. <laughs> Look, I have no issue with Chris Rakowski or getting the information, but there's got to be fair play. And unless there is something more to him just kind of saying, well, I'll take the reports if you don't want them, and the Canadian military just handing them to this guy, this is unconscionable.
because civilians don't get this stuff. You know what I'm saying? They don't get this stuff. But 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 Dave, but Dave, you got to realize you're looking at this problem way too far down the river. Okay, like you're looking at this as like, oh, it's supposed to go to him, but why just him? Why isn't it going to everyone else? My question is, further up the river, <laughs> why isn't there anyone in the Canadian government that wants to analyze this stuff themselves? Right? I mean, like that's a this, little disturbing. This right? actually may come out. It wouldn't surprise me because, you know, now that we're through the election. Now that everything's going to settle back down again, it wouldn't surprise me if members of the Conservative Party who have interest in this topic now mm. have something to base themselves on. Why is the Canadian military giving this one gentleman information where they are stalling on giving information to even government officials who are putting in these requests for information? I mean, what what it says to me is that they see no value in that data. That they're basically giving it to him because they think he's a curator of it, and they're like, "Hey, look, if you see value in this, knock yourself out." But and and now it's I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's possible that there's there's some organization within that that flow of information that's funneling off copies and is doing something smart and logical with it. But I don't get the impression that's going on. I get the impression he's a dumping ground. Here's the thing, though. What kind of reports is he getting? Is he getting dots in the sky? Is he getting uh, is he getting real reports of crashes? Is he getting reports? Because I haven't seen him get a crash report. I haven't seen him get any where CF-18s uh, line up and 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 are chasing these these dots in the skies or these craft in the sky. I don't see that yeah. happening. You know, so I don't know. They it, may be the. And lower I, I end wonder if maybe he's just getting cc'd on everything that's going to the to the defense department, right? Is it is it just that you know, like what well, you found out about copies of those reports going to to U.S. defense departments? Remember we talked about that before. Like you know, what if they just said, well, if we're going to give it to the Americans, we should probably give it to a Canadian too. And so they just like cc Chris on everything they send. I don't know. The, I really really do not know. But I mean, the question is, if they're giving him that information that that clearly, does he have a security uh, clearance to see this? This goes a little bit further that needs political investigation. And why doesn't he have his own bloody podcast, right? Like, why, why isn't he well, presenting all this information well, to the here, Canadians? But here's the thing, too. Chris is very closely tied to MJ Benias, a writer for The Debrief. Hmm. Okay. And MJ is a school teacher by day, writer by night. And MJ has written reports for... School about, teacher. Yes. Uh, he has uh, written reports for Chris in papers and for the debrief before. And it, they are very tight. So anything that comes out of Canada comes directly from Rutkowski, which will go filter to MJ, Benias, and then into the debrief. Which is interesting because we haven't seen much come out that way. Chris so is, does that mean that the MJ's not seen no, the information as, as printable? Or? No. Chris is very, very secretive. He doesn't like talking UFOs. He likes <laughs> collecting the reports. He likes seeing the data. 
this is like an episode of, of Kids in the Hall, man. This is this is yeah. so bizarre. This is so totally bizarre. Like I I I like suddenly so much of what you told me about how the, the Canadian government reacts to UFOs, like suddenly like, oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> Dude, it's, but it doesn't, right? Because it's like it's what bizarre the... world out here. It is so it is so I you need to get Chris on the show. We have uh we have put requests out to him. Chris is very good at dodging requests. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I don't know how you're, I don't, you know, I, I, I really should. I mean, I'm half Canadian. I really should like spend some time and learn much more about how your government works. But um, it, in, in the U S like, um, like, like, for example, there, there are groups right now getting in trouble who, who did vote counting uh, for the election because they're saying we they don't have to release their data and the courts have ruled. No, 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 no. You got public records. Therefore, you have now become an extension of the U.S. government. You do have responsibility to release that information. And so do you have anything like that? Is it possible that he that there's any onus on him, any responsibility on him to actually report what he's getting because he is now the recipient of official documentation? Well, that's something that needs to be checked out. Now, he does do an annual UFO report from these documents. on Annual? Annual. Okay. And, you know, it's considered pretty much the Bible of what's going on. But there's a lot of people in Canada. Now Can- we know why. It, there, there is a lot of people in Canada th- in the field of ufology that are not fans of Chris because Chris beats to his own drummer. He's not into sharing. He's not into playing nice. Okay. And you're explaining why it is he's the recipient of all this information, you realize. Pro- probably. Probably. <laughs> but still. I think there has to be questions, and I know that is something that I will call my sources on in Ottawa to say, hey, guys, what's going on here? Why is is the Department of Defense and NAV Canada freely giving this researcher information but not giving government officials the information and not giving other citizens the information? And is he being compensated? Probably not. But it'd be interesting to see what, like, is there, is, I guess what I'm getting at is it, is there anything official, right? Is there anything in writing that says, you know, you know, because I mean, like, Big Little could at least claim, hey, look, they actually put my number in the book, right? Is there anything official or is this just like a, he, you know, his, his, uh, you know, his wife's brother's cousin happens to hold this information and knew Chris liked it and so arranged for him to get it? I mean, like, how, was it off the cuff or, or is it like an official, you know, is, is he sanctioned? Is he somehow blessed to do this? There's so many questions. So many questions. Oh, it's it's absolutely incredible. I, I was a little bit blown away. I know in talking to other researchers today and seeing their reactions on social media, they are not happy about this. I knew this story was coming out about three weeks ago. And Daniel Otis, uh, the Canadian writer for Vice on this topic, did a great job on it, a great job. I will yeah. say this, there will be a follow-up, and, I, and I'm very curious to see what the follow-up is going to be. I'm not super happy about the picture. The, the picture of Chris with the little alien Muppets? I don't know. That was, um, that, that was a little on the, that was a little on the goofy side, but, um, you know, but I agree. It's a beautifully written article. 
It is. Daniel Otis did a great job with it. Great job. Let's move on to the next topic. Over the last couple of years, it's been a very, very tough ride for MUFON. Jan Harzan being busted for allegedly trying to pick up teenage girls while using MUFON computers. He is still awaiting his court date for that. MUFON had to change leadership. You know, MUFON took a bunch of hits when uh, over the years when it came out that Robert Bigelow had bought into them and they were giving their statistics to Bigelow. Uh, you know, the uh, John. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the that was the problem is that when the whole Jan Harson thing happened, like that was awful, and that yes. would have that would have done harm to any organization. Absolutely, but they were already on the ropes. Yes. I mean, they were already in so much trouble, and all of it was self inflicted. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 it was all. I mean, the Jan Harson thing you could say happened to them in a weird way, right? Because like yeah. you you, do, you but, hope your employees don't but, do that. But kind of previous stuff, right? previous but, to that, there was also former MUFON so member things. John Ventry who who made very racial comments yeah, on Facebook yeah. and then defended those comments, and and there's rumors that he is still a funding source of MUFON behind the scenes. I mean, that's never really come out. But there are rumors that that's still going on. All right. I mean, they have, like you said, a number of years. And, you know, thanks to the Two of the Stars Academy, for a while there, it looked like the Two of the Stars Academy had put the second to last nail in MUFON's coffin. MUFON had even reached out to TTSA to try and say, hey, let's work together. And the TTSA was like, yeah, no, no, not at all. But, but it looks like there may be a little bit of a silver lining to move on. Thank you to COVID. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess from one point of view, you know, as you and I've talked about the, the field people for move on the, the, the state directors and so forth and down the, and down the chain are usually a really impressive folks that work really, really hard. Right. And so, and so they, and they don't deserve to, to be suffering all the things they've been suffering as a result of their, of their leadership. And so, you know, now what we're seeing as reported by mystery wire is that they're seeing a huge increase in subscriptions of people signing up to support MUFON. And so this is, you know, you could argue this is MUFON's second chance and I hope they do something good with it because um, you know, if, if they're, cause, and it makes sense, right? People are reading all these things in the paper. They sell these things on Fox news. They still, what are you going to do? You go, you go, you search online. What's a respectable organization that I can join and learn more about this? Oh, okay. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know if move on would be my first choice, but I can understand why a lot of people would end up going to move on. And so they're getting a huge, you know, a huge breath of fresh air from this. And um, I, I, I hope they take that momentum and they do something really good with it. I really do. Because I, I, I think they deserve a second chance. I, I, I think they do. But I'll tell you, it, at least among, at least among the people that that you know that I've kind of come into this this world with, as far as uh, this kind of research, um, MUFON isn't isn't just like not looked at positively. It's it's just kind of not looked at. You know, I mean, it's just kind of just not really you, you, you know, everyone's got friends who are like at the director level and below. And we all love those folks. Those folks work really hard. Right. But as far as the management's concerned, like most people, I think, have written them off. So they need a shot in the arm. They need something to they need something good to happen. I hope it, I hope they do something good with it. John, we overextended by about two minutes here. I apologize. No, that's my fault, because anytime Canada and UFOs 
gets involved, that's something that I, you know, take a little too far. So we're going to skip your one story. We'll save that for for next week because we do have the round table coming up here in a couple of days. So I'm going to say good night to you. Thank you for a great uh, UFO report. Let's get to the news. news is always changing, which is why we bring you the SOR Newswire. It's a bit weird right off the bat. A man who was accused of having sex with a horse. Sure, Keith, where do you get these stories? Well, the man who was into bestiality has escaped from jail, but he made it less than a mile before he was caught and landed back behind bars. Yet, yeah, 25-year-old Jonah Barrett-Lesko was captured by police trying to swim down to the Animus River in Durango about 25 a- minutes after he escaped the La Plata County Jail. He was first discovered missing when police received a phone call about a man in a jumpsuit running near Office Depot. But police got on it. He's not an attractive man. No. Not an attractive man. No wonder even the horses were trying to turn him down. All right, moving on. If you're in Colorado, you might as well burn down your state. Why? The annual tarantula migration, if we could call it that, has begun. Literally millions of these tarantulas are on the hunt, not for storms, but rather they're horny and looking for mates. And so they're all gathering in Colorado. It's like a big Tinder party for tarantulas. Absolutely horrific. Nightmares can be made of this stuff. So I'm just going to move on to the next story. Very cool here. Betty Soskin has accomplished a lot over her life. She's written books. She was a songwriter, activist, and serves with the National Park Services. And now she officially holds the title as the country's oldest ranger. Why? Because Soskin just turned 100 years old. Born in Detroit in 1921, she currently works as a ranger at the Rosie the Riveter World War II Homefront National Historic Park in Richmond, California. Here's a cool one. Green Bay Packers running back Aaron Jones lost a necklace containing his father's ashes while scoring a touchdown at Lambeau Field. And thankfully, the precious item was found the following day on the field's turf. Jones, who scored four touchdowns in Monday night's home opener against the Detroit Lions, said he believes the football-shaped earned necklace fell off during his second-quarter touchdown catch. If there was any place to lose it, that's where my dad would have wanted me to lose it, he said. So now I know he's smiling. Jones said a team trainer scoured the field early the next morning, was able to successfully locate the necklace. The running back said he wore the necklace Monday night as a tribute to his father, Alvin, who died at age 56 from COVID-19 complications. Jones said his father always attended his games and he would make it a point to locate him in the stands for support each and every game. That is just wonderful. And finally tonight, here's a gross one. Young Danes are sticking nicotine pouches up their asses 
and inside their foreskins in a trend that has left health experts concerned and baffled. No, we're not climbing up milk crates anymore. We're taking tobacco packs and inserting them where they don't belong. We could just see the new health scares coming from this latest TikTok-type trend. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Who does that? Thank you to Captain Shirk for the absolutely weird news tonight. To John Hudson, who apparently makes this show way better than I can. And to Eric Altman for being a wonderful guest talking paranormal and Bigfoot all night long. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone on our chat room. YouTube, LGAB, Revolution Radio, Twitch, Spreaker, Facebook, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the woo train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them too. Good night.